what's up, Kickback fam? It's me, Chappelle. And first, I want to thank you all for listening and enjoying Recap Kickback. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the support and the love from this elite group of listeners who are joining me for this journey. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, please go over to recapkickback.com, leave a five-star review, then hit the subscribe button to keep up with all the podcast episode releases. Or if you're listening to this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like this video and subscribe to the YouTube page as well. Liking and subscribing helps more people find podcasts and will encourage people to join our Recap Kickback community of listeners. In a segment that I'm calling Kickback Throwback, this episode will include a re-release of the first one-on-one podcast I did with Rob Sestanivo over three years ago, discussing the concept of the Enneagram. See if you can tell how nervous I was talking to the Podfather for the very first time. Also, feel free to email me at recapkickback at gmail.com to let me know what else you want me to discuss and whatever entertainment topics you want me to cover. Special thanks to Leaf Village for the Recap Kickback theme music, while Maria. Peace. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino here, and I'm very excited today because we are going to be learning about something new, and we're going to be talking about Enneagrams. Uh, This is something that I tried to learn about once before. It didn't necessarily take, so we're going to try it again, and here to help us learn about Enneagrams and uh, how they pertain to Survivor is the great Chappelle is here. Chappelle, how are you? I'm I'm good, Rob. I'm a little confused. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, we didn't discuss Survivor. I wanted to talk to you about the Enneagram because I knew you didn't understand it, but we don't have to talk about oh, it. Oh, it's in, not, in we're not going to talk about how it relates to Survivor? I mean... I mean, Rob, I, don't, I'm, I know very little about you, and so we can relate it to Survivor. I know you speak that language, yeah. but I'd be willing to talk about it in the in the grand scheme of things as well. So we don't have to limit it to Survivor if you don't want to. Can I put it this episode? Lot, it makes my job a lot easier in the Survivor <laughs> podcast feed, Chappelle. Uh, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> shouldn't. Just, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to get into, and I will explain why. But this is not going to be like a let's talk about Sandra's Enneagram. Like I. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be too, that's far too difficult. And that's part of the reason why it didn't work the first time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So maybe put it in the main feed, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Chappelle, we're talking about Enneagrams that, uh, mm-hmm. what I'm alluding to is that once upon a time in 2019, Colton Cumbie had called me up and said, Hey, we need to podcast about Enneagrams. I'm obsessed with Enneagrams and they totally changed the way that I'm looking at Survivor. So, Colton, this sounds like something that would be primo off-season content. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it once we get through this riveting edge of extinction season. Let's talk about it then. And we did. And in fairness to Colton, he had one of the all-time worst internet connections that anybody has ever had to call into the podcast. But and I was very confused the whole time. He was, lo- he was losing me a little bit. And I think that had we had a better connection, I think I would have been able to understand it better. Yeah, I get that. And, and that was Edge of Extinction, right? So it was a pretty... Uh... That's a, a good a good ending to a season, I guess you'd say, to be confused at. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of confusing things going on at that time during during the edge. So I'm not shocked that this is uh something that continued to confuse you. I'm sure that was right after the finale, wasn't it? 
It was uh, yeah, a couple of weeks after the finale, and so mm-hmm. uh, that Chappelle and I, of course, uh, have been talking about Big Brother. And I said, Chappelle, what are we going to podcast about now that Big Brother is over? And Chappelle said Enneagrams, and I said, Wait, what? Said, yes, yeah. this is one of my yeah. areas of expertise. Enneagrams. Well, look, I didn't say expertise. Now, listen, we're gonna have to get into semantics all the time here because what I'm saying is, I remember that podcast. People said, you know, I really wish Rob understood this. I too wish you understood it. And I would like to talk about it with you. Now, do I consider myself an expert? No, because there are people who take this really, really seriously. And I want to be very clear that I'm not making light of this, this, uh, this almost like community of, you know, like surrounding this personality quiz. But I do want to say that, it's a quiz. Like, you know, well, I wouldn't say quiz, personality assessment. Okay. You know, that's probably better. But yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to make light of it, but I definitely am not an expert. I just come here to yes. have a good conversation and hopefully clear up some things that you might not have understood. The one uh, thing the I remember time. was that Colton mm-hmm. said, yes, that here, here you are. You're the same as Sheehan and Bob Crowley. Yeah. And we know how much you love Sheehan. Well, I said, well, so, I, well, I don't even understand what these people have in common. Me, Sheehan and Bob Crowley. What is the yeah, common which, denominator? Which is why I told you we probably shouldn't look at this through the lens of Survivor. <laughs> I mean, but basically at that point, it sounds like what Colton was doing was these are the smart people from each season, right? So like Sheehan was supposed to be like the like the one who was kind of shrewd that mm-hmm. season. Um, she jumped ship. You know, Bob Crowley is a, is a scientist and you were, you know, like a wise guy. You kind of, you know, recreated some strategy there. So maybe he was kind of putting y'all in that bubble. Yeah. But the Enneagram doesn't really lend toward that much. So, okay. Yeah. So it, it was difficult for him, I'm sure. All right. First thing, Chappelle, can you tell us uh, mm-hmm. that what, what is an Enneagram for somebody who's like five minutes into this podcast and is wondering what, what it is that we're going to talk about? All right. So the Enneagram is, like I said earlier, a personality assessment, I guess, kind of. uh, It's more like a way, similar to Myers-Briggs, of looking at personality and understanding your motivations and other people's motivations. And so it's called Enneagram because Ennea means nine and Gram means chart. So there's a chart with nine numbers around it. And each number uh, describes a different type of personality. So whereas Myers-Briggs has like 16, Enneagram has limited that to nine. Okay. Second question. Okay. How did you learn so much about this? Are you a big part of the Enneagram community? Um, I'm about as big a part of that community as I am about this one. You know, just kind of hanging so out. So you're on head. a ton of Enneagram podcasts? Every last one. No, Rob. No, no. I'm just, I meant like up until this year, I just kind of been hanging out watching, you yes, know? You're a lurker <laughs> so- in the Enneagram community. I'm master lurker. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, I just hang out and I listen to a lot of uh, of the podcast and I listen to people's interviews. I, I find it really fascinating, honestly. And so uh, the way I got into it was I was in school and I was having a, a breakdown. Things weren't going the way I wanted them to go, you, sh- you could say. And someone was like, you really should look into the Enneagram because it'll help you understand why you're freaking out right now. And they began to tell me about the Enneagram and what they suspected. And I felt so attacked. I felt like someone was like poking at my core and saying like, you're horrible. You why? And like, I felt seen and it was embarrassing. And I was like, pushing back against it. And then I learned to like, no, that's just you embracing, you know, who you are. And and it hurts because it's not just the positive things about you. I think Myers-Briggs comes off a little like you're extroverted and you, you're intuitive and you, and you like to think and you like to perceive, but the Enneagram will tell you like, no, you're, you're actually 
kind of not reliable and you can be overbearing and you can be mean sometimes, you know? And so those things are kind of what you hear and you think, I don't like that. So that's kind of how I got into it. Exploration and self-discovery, I guess you will. And just being able to look at myself and say, okay, this is how you're acting. How is that affecting the people around you? By the way, as as an aside, if you're interested in Myers-Briggs, I did an interesting podcast uh, a couple of months ago with Lindsay Resco, where we talked about the uh, Myers-Briggs types of the different survivor players. And we talked about my Myers-Briggs type, uh, which I thought was very interesting that I was watching a lot of Myers-Briggs YouTube videos after that podcast. So maybe this is going to be the same thing. Maybe you and I are going to run in the same Enneagram circles after this. Maybe. And uh, and yeah, and I would thank Lindsay because she's the reason why I said, well, well we could talk about the Enneagram because it's not like I'm walking around with this like Enneagram backpack on ready to to wield all of my knowledge to whoever will listen. I just thought that was pretty cool. You seem to get that a lot better than you got the Enneagram. And so we'll mm-hmm. give this a try as well. OK, and maybe we can do some community stuff together. <laughs> OK, Chappelle, can we go back to you were going through a hard time and then somebody mm-hmm. somebody referred you to the Enneagram and that really changed things up for you? Yeah. So it didn't make my time any any easier, but I was able to see like why certain things were affecting me and why I was reacting the way I was reacting. And then I was able to say, OK, now calm down, take a step back, breathe and get back to who you are, you know, um, because the Enneagram, again, it, it, it describes your motivation. It describes why you do certain things. But it also that those things, you know, affect how, how you do things as well. And I was acting erratically, I guess I should say. <laughs> and not in a good way. I'm pretty erratic already. But I was, I mean, I was spiraling and didn't even notice it. I thought everything was fine. Everything's cool. And mm-hmm. the room's just burning down in the background. So This is fine. Uh, yeah. It helped. Everything's fine. This is fine. Yeah. And it was not. So I'm, I think I'm better because of it. And I like hearing about other people's Enneagrams as well, because then I can say, oh, okay, now I see why we don't connect or now I see how I could probably approach this to where you'd understand it a little bit uh, differently. Okay. All right. So how do we start talking about Enneagrams? Because I've seen it. I know that the chart is a thing. That there is a there's a chart, and it looks like a little bit. Uh oh, wait. This looks like this is a satanic symbol, but it's not, right? No, no, no. This is not a pentagram. Yes, uh, yes. Pentagrams have five sides. This has nine, I guess. This is a circle, mm-hmm. okay. as far as I'm concerned. This is a circle. And circle. Then there are lines. Yeah, yeah. Circle. Yeah. This is a circle with lines in it. So we're not going to connect those lines in like a, you know, a star or anything like that. We don't want to be offensive to anybody. Mm -hmm. This is a circle for all the listeners. And so imagine the Enneagram, if you haven't Googled it yet, to have a nine at the top and to go clockwise like a clock. um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way back to nine. Right. And you can't tell time on it like uh, Lunette, right? Uh, you probably no, definitely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not something that you're going to use to tell time. But um, your orientation of time does come into effect uh, when learning about y- your enneagram number and kind of how it affects you. But no, we won't be using it as an actual clock. Okay. All right. So where where do you want to start with explaining the enneagram? All right. So you have nine types of personalities. And they are divided into three different types. And I believe Colton covered this pretty well last time. But you have the feelers, the heart type, you know, two, three and four. You have the thinkers, five, six and seven. And then you have like the gut or like the body type people, you know, who are just um, they're, they're moved by their urges, I guess. So you got um, eight, nine and one. So Would it be helpful mind, body and, yeah, and, uh, you know, for people to have the, the chart open? 
if they want to. Sure. Okay. Yeah. This is like I said. I'm not going to rely on the chart too much. I just want to talk to you through the personality types. Yes. And then when you get to the one that you think is you, and uh, spoiler alert, I don't think you're the same as Bob Crowley. I don't know what Bob Crowley is, but I don't think you're the same as him. Yeah. But not actually, maybe. But I don't think what Listen, Coulter I don't want to be like, the same as him, Chappelle. I hear he's a handsome fellow. Yeah. So anyway, okay. um, <laughs> so yeah, so we'll start with the heart triad, two, three, and four. And yes. I will talk you through each of them and you can ask questions. We'll talk about famous examples of these Enneagram types. That's what I said. We won't just limit this to Survivor if we don't have to. Um, but we can talk about like, you know, what, how these people move and, and think and, and react to the world around them. And, um, and then when we get to, you know, where you think you land, we can talk about that even more. And then we'll just tidy it all up with some, you know, next steps of Enneagram research. Yeah. Okay. Can yeah. I pitch you on who I think what survivors would fit in the Enneagram? Sure. You can do okay. whatever you want. Okay. I'm just here. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start with the heart types, right? They are feelers. Um, they are driven by their emotion. It's in the, the two, three, and fours, right? So every triad has three numbers in it. The first of these numbers, we're going to start with two. Uh, twos are the helpers. I don't know what your chart has them listed as, but a lot of times they're called the helpers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think yours might be, yours might say helper as well. But uh, twos are the helpers. These people are generally like caring, generous, demonstrative, people pleasing type people, right? These people are the ones that they're going to ask how your day is, and they really mean it, right? They really want to know. Wow, they're good. Li- yeah, they're good listeners. They're not just listening to get through the conversation. They are invested in you. They feel outward, so they are always concerned about you know how other people feel. Um, so much to where they actually kind of miss how they feel. You know, they when you're so worried about other people, it's hard to worry about yourself, right? And uh, twos can tell you what you need all the time, but it's really hard for them to identify what they need. But that's not why they were. They're, that's not why they're here. They're here to help, and so they they feel like you know they can walk in a room and connect with each of us, and a lot of times they can. They come off very like doting and motherly and, you know, like concerned and they're the person you could cry to because they just they they suck you in to their gravity, you know. And so uh, these people, like I said, they're they're driven to help. They they get energized by interactions with other people and by helping people. And so like so. So like if you or I are doing a lot of favors or anybody listening or is doing a lot of favors from somebody, it's so draining, right? Like, oh, my God, I had to go do this and I had to go do that. Tools love it. They love that feeling of like, I helped this person. Oh my God. And it's, it's almost selfish because they get like energized from that. They, they live for that. Um, the problem with that is when you're always doing for other people, obviously you can't do for yourself, but you kind of expect that to be reciprocated, you know? So like, mm-hmm. let's say I just thinking Rob, thinking about Rob today, I sent you some Laffy Taffy. Mm-hmm. And and you like, oh my God, Chappelle, what a great guy. He sent me this Laffy Taffy. And I'm sitting at home thinking, wow, look at that. I really did that for Rob. I bet he loves me. He loves me a lot because I sent him that Laffy Taffy. But then on that dark day when I really want some Laffy Taffy and I don't get it from Rob, I'm not going to call Rob and say, Rob, how dare you? I sent you. La-. But and deep down, it's going to kill me. Like, oh my gosh, Rob didn't even give me Laffy Taffy. Like, I, I think about him and Nicole and the kids and their Laffy Taffy urges and nobody's thinking about mine. Hmm. And that's the problem with being a two, right? Is because your, your biggest, in the Enneagram in general, your biggest uh, strength is your biggest weakness. So the fact that they can give to everybody is great but they can't give to themselves. 
And then when they don't get those things in return, even though they're not doing it for a return, they feel like a way, right? They feel like mar- like almost like martyrs. They get really like, um, they can, they can kind of get kind of mean sometimes when they get to that point, when they get stressed out. So I generally love twos because they're the ones who are doing for you. They'll give you a shirt off their back. The issue is that sometimes At you don't want cost. the shirt off somebody's back. You, exactly. And sometimes you don't want it, right? We ever just want to be left alone. Well, if you're in a room with a two, you probably won't get that. Because they're going to question, like, are you okay? What are you, how are you feeling? You mm-hmm. know? And so, so yeah, so that's twos. Their basic fear is just of being unwanted and unloved. And they think that doing stuff for people is going to make people love them. So, Makes sense? Yes. If somebody is, oh, I am that person, do they need mm-hmm. to try to figure out how to get past this? Or do they have to just accept that on in those times when they're feeling like uh, their generosity was unreciprocated, that they just need to say like, oh, wait, oh, wait, no, that I just did those things. That it's fine if I do things, nice things for people, but nobody has to do anything nice for me. Yeah, that's a good thing for them to understand is just just because you feel the urge to give to everybody. We are not all twos. As I told you, there's nine different personality types and there's billions of people here. And, you know, everybody can't be a two. So everybody's not looking at the world like, what can I do for you? And so, yeah, if things take a step back and say, you know, I did that because I wanted to do it and I wanted to do something nice and I'm okay with that, not getting anything back for it, then they're good. I also think um, they want to make sure that they're just not volunteering for stuff just to volunteer for it. Right. So like, let's say I'm like, Rob, I really need a batch of cookies tomorrow. Man, I need it. And twos love the word need because it's just like, boom, this is my chance. Right. And Rob, you don't you don't make cookies. That's not your bag but you really want to help me because you just need to. Well, now you're up all night making cookies and then you're burning the cookies and you're buying cookies and you're trying to figure out a way to get me these cookies. And I'll call you the next day. Like, I don't really need those cookies. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We changed our mind. Now you put all this energy into something that I didn't even ask you for. And so that's kind of where the, where the twos come in to like, that's their big flaw, right? Is that they're trying so hard to do for you that they're just overlooking the fact that maybe it's not theirs to do, you know? How about this? What if I'm mm-hmm. in a situation where, okay, I can identify, all right, this person is, a, this person's a helper and they're being, they're mm-hmm. super nice. Should I try to refuse the help of the helper because I don't want to then ultimately reciprocate? I know I'm going to let this person down. Should I try to then say to this person, no? Cause I, I, I do feel like that this situation does come up where people, sometimes people like, uh, want, want to help me with things, but that I, I am like sometimes afraid that I'm like, okay, well then what does this person want in return then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do this all the time, right? Where someone says, Hey, do you need something? You say, no, I'm good. Even though you might need it, you know, you're just like, no, it's fine. And, and I think that comes to varying degrees to like, you know, the person who you could say, yeah, I do need that. And you know, they're going to give it back and it's going to be kind and it's going to be from the heart and they're going to, and they're not going to hold you to it. And I'm not saying that all tools are going to hold you to it. I'm just saying that their default speed is to kind of think that way of like, I'm doing this to you out of the kindness of my heart. And they're always thinking that way. And so, like, let's say they are really trying to get you to like them because tools love to be loved. That's what they're going for. Right. And you just aren't getting you're just not, you know, picking up what they're putting down. They're going home and they're crying about it because they yeah. can't figure it out. You know, like, why doesn't he like me? And then after they finish crying, they're going to get up tomorrow and they're going to try it again because that's kind of like their default set- setting, you know. And so sometimes if you notice somebody is just like their existence is kind of, you know, impeding on your own, even if they're trying to help you, you got to step up and say, you know. It's, it's fine. We don't have to do that. I think, I don't know a good survivor example of that. I don't even remember who Colton picked. I think he picked Rupert. 
Rupert. Um, I think this has been a lot, a long time. So I'm trying really, really hard to recall this. But mm-hmm. he was saying that he's caring and is that other. And Colton was on a tribe with him, so maybe he is. But um, I think though, I think on an island, I guess you would find yourself like, hey, if I needed to, you know, wash my swim trunks. Yeah. The 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 person who's like, I got that for you, you know. Or every time you get up to grab something, they're like, I, let me take care of that for you, you know. They're just kind, of, they're helpers. They're nice. They're loving. They got some edge to them sometimes when they when they get backed into a corner or when they're feeling like they're not being loved. But generally, those are the people who, I guess, that's how they would yeah. manifest itself. I feel like uh, like a dawn seems like uh, would be the helper. Yeah, and I avoided Dawn saying Dawn for a specific reason, just because she's a mom, and I think moms typically kind of will default to that sometimes. And I think Survivor likes to paint moms like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they like to find a mother. And Dawn is a, I mean, she just seems like a very lovely lady on TV. And so, yeah, I could see that. You know, mm-hmm. I could definitely see that. Um, that yeah, if we're talking about caricatures of a two, yeah, go with Dawn for sure. Um, there are a lot less male twos. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from probably like nature versus nurture type stuff, mm-hmm. like where it's not it's not very like it's not something that you look for in like typical sociolo- sociological like masculinity, you know, from this like yeah. society standpoint, right? So you're looking for people who are like going out and and hunting and all this other stuff. You're not looking for the person who's like waiting on you or you know who's thinking about you. It kind of feels uncomfortable to think about from a male standpoint, I guess historically, and so. You don't see a lot more of those. The Enneagram is going to be a lot of how you're wired, just, you know, based off how you're born. But a lot of all you like deal with the traumas in your life. Um, you know, this the Enneagram traits really just come from, hey, you are a whole being, right? We're mm-hmm. all we all have traits of all these numbers. But somewhere in life, we realize that being one number gets us far. You know, this this is getting us through life. This is our crutch. Right. And you start to lean on it, whereas it should just be a part of you. And we all do it. We we run into a, a, a thing that works for us and we just start to use yeah. it and use it and use it. And that's how you find your Enneagram number. Yeah, I, I feel like that that's a, an interesting concept. And I, I've heard it, uh, you know, explained in, in different ways, like people have a, uh, a and this is uh, not a, not a political, thing, uh, like a trump card of like, OK, this is the thing that I that I do. And then in all situations, mm-hmm. I end up I, I end up pulling this trick because uh, this yeah. is this is the thing I always play. Yeah. And it becomes just the way you live your life. Mm-hmm. And so twos have realized that, you know, stepping up and helping people, it makes people love them. And they like that a lot. You yeah. know, maybe maybe in childhood, they didn't feel like they were getting a loved or they weren't enough. And so they felt like doing stuff for people became their way of like proving or, or gaining that uh, that love that they that might have not felt like they were getting when they were little. Yeah. Is is there something that that we should be doing if you identify that somebody is a helper in terms of like yes because I I feel like that you would hurt them to not accept their help but then mm-hmm. also like how do you set the expectation of like I'm not just because you did like thank you for this but I cannot reciprocate uh, what what you are doing for me yeah and I mean we're all human so I'm sure there is going to be situations where you just don't want the help. You don't feel like being bothered. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't particularly like this too, you know, um, and you don't want their help and that's fine. And you have to say the words and then they have to accept that and grow. And twos, if you're listening to this, everybody doesn't need your help and everybody doesn't want it. Um, I think a lot of people like, I think the the TV version of that is like the, the mother-in-law, right? Who like shows up and she's vacuuming your house and she's cleaning up and she's telling you how to raise the kids. And you're like, why are you doing all this stuff for you? And then you get sick and she's like waiting on you hand and foot, you know, you got the, like the thermometer hanging out your mouth in the little bag on top of your head. I'm thinking like the Flintstones or something. I don't know. (laughs) And so like, that's like 
the overbearing too. Yeah. And we can, and people can be like that. Anybody can act like that. It's just twos kind of get there a lot easier than other people. Okay. All right. That's the helper. Yeah, that's the helper. First of our feelers. Okay. All right. Yeah. What's next? All right. The, sec- the second number we'll deal with are the threes. Threes are like twos, very emotional, um, but they don't acknowledge it. They have a lot of feelings and they just don't know what to do with them. So instead, they have decided that, hey, doing things and accomplishing things and winning makes people like me. Right? Mm-hmm. So threes are fun to talk about for me because in American culture, threes are what we're looking to be, right? You want to be the winner. If you're not first, you're last. And threes wake up in the morning and they feel like that. They, are, they have a list of things to do. They're very task oriented because they have so many things to accomplish because feelings of doing things and getting things accomplished that energizes them. They're normally very charismatic. They could talk to people, whether they're introverted or extroverted, they can talk to people and, and figure out what they can read the room. So like, whereas twos can read a person like individuals, threes can kind of come into the room and be what you admire or be, you know, somebody likable. They're the, they kind of glow. Um, I think people will say they're attractive, but when they say attractive, they mean like they can attract people, you know, they're just not like physically attractive. I'm sure they are too, but whatever. They, they walk in and they just kind of absorb you into like, oh, look at how great that person is. And they don't have a problem telling you about it either. Um, they are hyper competitive because they think that winning equals being loved. That is what they're after. They are after your admiration and they will, they will try to win it at all costs. And we love a good three. We love a good three because that's what we're taught. We're taught to win. We're taught to achieve. We're taught to win awards, all those things. And threes are out here to do it. And so the problem with that is that sometimes when you are so focused on winning, you don't, you know, acknowledge the people that just step on to get there. And uh, like I said, they have a lot of feelings. They just don't know what to do with them. So um, if you're not acknowledging your feelings, a lot of times you are doing things to hurt other people and you don't even notice it because you're trying to get your way to the top. So that's, that's threes in a nutshell. They're, uh, like I said, they're super charismatic because people like charisma. You know, they're just going to form and kind of like mold into like what you need me to be so that you will like me in that moment. Make sense? Yeah. Do uh, threes like other threes or do they sort of like uh, repel each other because there can only be one three in any given situation? No, I think they enjoy the competition as well. Uh, because they still got to win, right? Mm-hmm. And they also care about image a lot. So if they were bothered by another three, they wouldn't let you see it. You know, they, they, they're, try- they're the kind of people who you think are always put together. They always seem to have it because they just, they, they can't let you see them sweat. Um, the problem with threes is that doing things, accomplishing tasks, that's not a personality trait. Those are just tasks. The, they lose sight of who they actually are and what they actually like because they're so busy trying to please everybody. Well, at, you know, gain everybody's admiration. So it's like, I might really like uh, being lazy and staying at home and watching TV, right? That might be my thing. But if I'm walking to a room and we're all talking about, you know, being a vegan, now I have to be a vegan. And I don't have to just be a vegan. I have to be the best vegan. So I have to tell you about it, one. And I also have to try, like, go and get, like, the vegan outfit, like the tracksuit. So you have to know that I work out all the time too, and I'm living this lifestyle. And they the vegan outfit like is the tracksuit. I think so. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, some some Adidas. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna try to mold into like the picture perfect image of what you think that is, right? Um, threes are gonna like a three would be the valedictorian of the school. Not to say that a two could not be the valedictorian, but a three is gonna work really hard at it. 
if they care about school. Whatever they think is going to make you admire them, they're going to try to do that thing. And so that, like I said, they're likable because we like winners and threes want to win, but they are so competitive. I've, I've met some threes that you can tell they're a three because when they lose, they take, they take it to the heart, right? It's not just a game for them. <laughs> so uh, threes are fun to talk about. I'm glad I'm not a three. Uh, just because it sounds exhausting, honestly, to kind of have to to win at everything, don't you think? Uh, that would sound very exhausting. Of uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, tasks are Im- important, but I feel like that uh, just doing the tasks to do the tasks does not sound super fun. Yeah, and yeah, just just waking up with a to do list for me, just to where I have to be on it all times. It just sounds exhausting, but that's what they get energized from that. The there's just a they just lack authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not calling them fake. No more than where I call them twos overbearing. What I'm saying is that they're so busy trying to portray themselves as something that is likable that, you know, you don't even know who you're really talking to. Sometimes you're talking to what they want you to believe they are. Do you feel like a lot of threes get cast for Survivor or is it more of a rarity? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure this is a like reality TV in general is probably like a good place to find some threes because these are people who they want to be seen. They want to be liked. They want to, you know, I'm, I'm sure on Big Brother, you probably get a bunch of threes because they, they want to win, but they also want the engagements. They like the clicks. They like to, they like to hear like how great that person is. Um, yeah, I could see that for sure. I don't know if you could think of any Survivor threes. Like I said, I'm probably, there's probably a ton of them, right? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, it's, it's hard because I feel like that um, when we're talking about people who are definitely like egotistical, like I can definitely mm-hmm. think of a lot of people, but I don't necessarily like, for instance, like I think of like Johnny Fairplay as somebody who's like completely like, uh, you know, driven by ego and talking about himself. But mm-hmm. I don't think of him as somebody with like, you know, uh, a million things to do on his to do list. Right, right. And that's what that's what I'm saying when it comes to threes. And this is another reason why Colton's podcast really doesn't work is because he's trying to take, you know, these clips and images that we get an edited version of. And, you know, Johnny Fairplay in real life, mm-hmm. but he tried to take clips and images that we have and try to, like, talk about these people's core motivations off of, you know, like several episodes of seeing them. Right. Uh, I would think Johnny Fairplay would it would bother him to kind of be disliked as much as he was and mm-hmm. is sometimes, you know, uh, I've always been a big fan, but I know that, you know, he was loved. He, people love to hate him mm-hmm. at some point. And I don't know if that really, if that would really describe him. But like I said, threes are the kind of people they just pop onto. Maybe Kobe, maybe Kobe, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's out here, he's winning. And when he wasn't winning, oh my God, he was miserable and we hated to yeah. watch it. Right. Um, you know, uh, what was it? Superman in a fat suit. Maybe yeah. Kobe would be a good example, I, but I don't know. Right. Cause even though, like I said, we can all kind of portray ourselves like this. If I just went off of your uh, season of survivor, I'd say Rob's a three, you know, you woke up and you would have the episode and you'd have, a, I mean, you're charming. So you would have us, oh, go on, you know, toward the, yes. Oh, and let's not get on your eyes, please. <laughs> but um, yeah. no, no, seriously, you, we would watch you and then we would watch your journey to the end. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're telling the story of the winner, you're probably going to get a lot of three stories, even if they're not a three. See, I, I guess the, the two things that I'm having difficulty sort of like, uh, like separating, I kind of feel like that I see this more like, uh, in athletics, like, uh, like the quarterback as being, you hear the story about the, like the winners, like the, like a Tom Brady who is like going to necessarily like do, you know, uh, do whatever it takes, put whatever into his body he can to make sure that he, uh, always ends up being the winner really hates to lose. Uh, like mm-hmm. I see that as sort of more of a, of a three as opposed to, 
like a lot of the people from uh, Survivor who I do think hate to lose, but I don't necessarily like, are they the types of people who are going to like stop at nothing and do anything to win and also be sort of like very disciplined in terms of like the steps it would take to get there. Oh, yeah. And Tom Brady's probably a great example. I, like I said, I don't know personally to, to know this for a fact. Um, the Enneagram Institute website, they I guess they did the research and they, they interview a lot of different celebrities and, you know, look at interviews for like, you know, things that these people have said and kind of what they talked about. And I think they've compiled lists of famous or like notable uh, people from each number. And I would be shocked if Tom Brady wasn't on that list. But I know um, th- you watched the last dance documentary, right? With Michael sure. Jordan. His personality is winning. Yeah, that's it. People like him. There's some people who don't like him, but everybody respects him as a winner. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all he has that. I mean, it's pretty one note, honestly. What I mean, you watch the whole thing and all you know is this man is going to win. Mm-hmm. If he gets poisoned in Utah, I'm sorry, food poisoning in Utah, uh, he's still going to find a way to win. That's yeah. what he does, you know, and and people like I said, and even the documentary paints him in such a positive light because he's charming and you want you want him to win. It's It's like you're just kind of drawn into that. Now, there are, there are conflicting reports, obviously, about Michael Jordan. But for the most part, that is his personality. I think another good documentary to watch, if you haven't seen, uh, is it Americana, the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor Swift is probably a textbook three. Um, her whole documentary is about how she has this fan base that is pretty much split in half, right? There are some people there on the left and there are people on the right. And Taylor Swift has to decide at some point okay, am I going to start speaking up politically and maybe isolating half of my team? Or am I just going to keep, you know, raking in all this money from all, all sides? And she really struggles with that. But every part of her, her documentary, it's Taylor Swift's to-do list. All the things that she does to make sure that she is liked. And she, when she's not liked, and I mean, she is not like, she's so polarizing. Um, and it drives her crazy. I mean, it is killing her, the, it, that poor girl. Uh, and she puts that into her music. And I mean, she's just writing songs. But the thing with threes is that they're accomplished, right? So think about Taylor Swift. She's been a songwriter since she was like 12 years old. Kanye West is snatching awards out of her hand when she was 16. You know, these, this is not normal behavior. The average person isn't waking up and winning songwriting awards. But threes, they're doing it. Michael Jordan. Greatest basketball player of all time. You know a good Survivor 3 that you might not suspect? Who? Lisa Welchel. Lisa Welchel. Mm-hmm. And I know this to be a fact because I've heard her talk about the Enneagram. And that's another reason why I didn't want to talk about Survivor based off the show. Because on the show, Lisa Welchel doesn't give you like, like to-do list or accomplishment, right? Lisa Welchel is a child star. She was, uh, mm-hmm. she is very shy individual, but when she gets on stage, she just pops. Yeah. And then she, she also got what second place on survivor. She is a published writer. She's a mother, even on survivor. She was well liked by the people who weren't on her cast. And even, I mean, on her tribe, but even the people who are on her tribe didn't hate her. They hated scooping, but you know, <laughs> she was, uh, she was there. She you know, she has a lot of two in her. Um, a lot of two traits three and two are right next to each other on the Enneagram and so you kind of have traits for both numbers but you can only be one number and Lisa Welchel based off of the interview that I heard and what she said about the Enneagram she's definitely a three and it just doesn't come across because she didn't win Mm -hmm. right so if she had won maybe they would have shown her when she found Malcolm's uh, idol as somebody who like yeah I was helping everybody and doing all the things and I found Malcolm's idol and I'm going to use it to win the game you know but she was painted as like, oh, the bumbling lady who just came across it, you know, because she's a mother and she's, you know, a church lady, you know. Um, so, yeah, she's a three for sure. 
um, that's when I can speak to uncertainty. Can I give you one more that might be outside of the box? How about okay. Chrissy Hoffbeck? Maybe. Um, I think Chrissy is very, very talented. She, uh, I don't know about the, the, the wanting to be loved thing by being liked about her doing because she, and you've talked to Chrissy more than I have, but I know that season probably was really tough for her because she was a very mm-hmm. polarizing figure as well in Survivor. Uh, what, do you, what leads you to think that she's a three? I, I just think that she seems like very driven and accomplished and somebody who would really like uh, hate to lose and also be like uh, really, and, and I think she's talked about this at times in certain things like her uh, TED talk of just wanting to be, you know, uh, successful and, uh, you know, uh, achieve uh, even like, uh, you know, she wrote a book about like finding the right conditions to win. And so I think that she's somebody that would also like really strive to, you know, um, be as accomplished as possible. Yeah, I can see that. And I just looked up the Enneagram Institute list of threes, right? Yes. And let's just throw out a few of them. So you got Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yes, uh, thank you, Chappelle, for mentioning me in Enneagram. My okay. cousin Patrick is not one of the threes. <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> Will Smith, Demi Moore, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, if you're fami- if the, any of the listeners are familiar with Glee, Rachel Berry is a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, you're not very familiar with Glee, right? No. Rachel Berry's whole being is being a star. That's what she wants. That's what she wants more than anything. And she doesn't care how she's going to get there. She has to get there. She has to be a star. She has to be seen. Um, and that's that's her whole being. Lady Gaga is listed on here as a three. Taylor Swift is on here. So look at that. Look, I did pretty well. Um, I think they have Tom Cruise listed on here, um, Andy Warhol, Muhammad Ali, you know, some winners. Yeah. Bill Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. These are people who, like, they're just well-liked. I don't think I named one person who people are like, mm, I don't like that guy. Um, maybe Taylor Swift. But I like, I like T-Swizzle, so maybe I just am a little biased. Okay. So does that, does that make you feel good about threes? You feel like you got that? Sure. Are you going to tell you three? us? No, I don't think so. Um, are, so are you going to tell us what Enneagram you are when we get there? Not when we get there, but I will talk to you about... End. Yeah, we'll talk about hours uh, okay. later. Okay. All right, cool. So... When you say hours, you on. feel like we're the same one? No. Oh. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a suspicion, but I won't try to... I won't spoil that for you because I don't want to paint the way you look at, you know, the Enneagram. This is, the, this is a story of exploration. You know, you're mm-hmm. supposed to be looking inwardly and saying, Are these are things that motivate me. Uh, it's hard for threes to acknowledge that they're three because they feel seen. Mm-hmm. They feel like, oh my God, he's right. He's t-. like, whereas I'm talking about, they, look how great they, look how great they portray themselves. Th- what they're hearing is, oh my God, they can tell that I'm putting on an act, you know, um, or that I, what am I? They start to think like, what, what do I like? What, what, am, what are my interests as opposed to winning? Winning is not an interest. <laughs> it's just not. You have to figure out what it is that you actually like and be authentic to your true self. Okay. Yeah. So you ready for the next number? Ready. All right. Fours. Fours are the individualists. Some people call them the romantic. Um, fours are the last of the feelers the, the, in the heart triad. Um, and whereas threes don't know what to do with their emotions and twos emotions are, you know, aimed at you and like, you know, outwardly toward other people. Fours are completely inward. They are just completely engulfed in their own emotions and how they feel. Uh, fours are typically looked at like, like almost like bleeding hearts of emotion. Cause they, they have a range of emotion that can go from really, really happy to really, really sad in the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. If you're telling a sad story a four can cry. And if you're in, and then seconds later, they can be happy. I, I have a friend who I, 
talk to regularly and she is a four and before she gets home from work, she can call and tell me a story about how she hates somebody at work and be in full tears. And then by the time she gets home, we're laughing about big brother, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it doesn't drain her at all. It's just something that she goes through. Um, and it's normal for her. They do really well in, in grief for some reason. Um, sadness, like being melancholy, that kind of, that kind of gets them going, you know, whereas that sounds like, why, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to sit in that emotion? Fours are good for grief because they're really authentic. They're really, they're, they're trying, they're, they're their true selves all the time. And they expect that from other people. And so grief is a real part of life and they have learned to just sit in it. You know, um, they are dramatic, self-absorbed, uh, but they're very expressive. A lot of, uh, artists will be fours because, you know, they have all these feelings and then they put it on, on the canvas, you know, and it comes out as beautiful paintings or they, they play the piano and it comes out beautifully. Um, and that it just kind of manifests itself like that. Fours are different. There are very few fours in comparison to the other numbers in Enneagram. I think there are less fours, typical Enneagram wisdom says. Um, it's probably because they're so introverted. A lot of times they're withdrawn. You know, they, like I said, they have a lot of feelings and nobody likes that, you know, to be surrounded by somebody who's always so draining with, with feelings, you know? So I think fours have kind of identified like, oh God, that's a lot for some people. Mm-hmm. And so they, they kind of go into their own, their own shell and, and be in their own head and their own heart about, about what they like and they're just kind of like emotionally honest. Makes sense? Yeah, I just think that's very interesting to have that combination of like very expressive emotionally, but then also introverted. Like I would think that oh, in, yeah. in my in, in my mind, just thinking about like somebody who would be, you know, very expressive emotionally, I would think of them as very extroverted. But that uh, right. that's that's an interesting distinction of that they they are really in touch with what they're feeling so much to mm-hmm. the point where they're not necessarily experiencing it with uh, other people and sharing it with them. Exactly. They're experiencing this inside. So they don't have to be extroverted, right? Because they have this, all this stuff worked up inside of them and they're exploring that. Um, a, a key characteristic of fours is that they feel like they're missing something in life. Like everybody has just something that they can't quite put their finger on. Like, like if I took you to the candy store and I told you you could pick whatever candy you want, four might say, I don't really have the candy I want. It's like, well, what do you want? Is everything in here? And they're like, yeah, but. I want hmm. something else. You know, it's, it's like this nagging sound. It's just like, what? Why do you have this that I don't have? You know, um, fours are also since they like to be different. They like to stand in their uniqueness, and so uh, a lot of times, I think the caricature of a four is kind of like the the goth emo kid in the in the class, right? Who's like sitting in the back and he's got like the purple hair and the nose rings and stuff, just trying to stand out because he's so different and they're embracing it. You know. Um, so they have a real issue with other people who just won't embrace who they are, you know, or are okay embracing themselves, but they can't trust you if you're not authentic. And, um, like I said, they're, they're the types that will cry and, and not, and not be drained by it. You know, they just kind of bounce back. That's something that doesn't affect them. If they get sad, they like to listen to sad music. Uh, Rob, you ever, you ever like, get in a really emotional state and you're like, I really want to just be sadder. No, Exactly. Fours are like, I am, I am miserable right now. Let me go listen to, you know, the saddest of sad songs and let me go and cry by the piano. Very dramatic, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they have these really romantic images or like thoughts in their head too, where they kind of see everybody in the world as like character characters like, oh, well, you know, that lady at work, she's so horrible. And she's like my evil stepsister, you know, that kind of thing. And they also are able to 
kind of look at those people and and navigate them, even though they have this, you know, this very vivid image of, you know, what life kind of is from their point of view. So whereas you, you might see people as people, they might see people as this is the most horrible person I've ever seen in my life, or this is the nicest lady I've ever known. And, you know, it's very extreme. Um, and I, I think I'm missing something. Wait a second. So extreme emotions, uh, caricatures, I think, um, yeah, that covers the like tip of the iceberg for Forrest because they're so complicated. There's very complex people and they, they like it, but it just feels like they're always yearning for something else. So what would you say is their sort of like uh, thing that they really lean on in, you know, most situations? Um, just their authenticity, you know, yeah. in most situations, they they're real. going to. They keep it real and it doesn't have to be like in your face telling you about you, but you, they just don't do well with, you know, with not being true to themselves. Um, some good force based off this list, Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. you know, I remember I said, he you kept know, it too a, real. Some would say that. Yeah. Um, Kat Von D, uh, the tattoo artist, uh, yes. Chris Angel, Amy Winehouse, you get catch my drift. These oh, are like no. the, yeah, they, they, they stand out, you know, um, and I think, I think, uh, what was that? Maybe like Big Wendy. She stands yes, out. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Person. Big Wendy. Big Wendy. Flicka, maybe. Mm-hmm. She kind of stands out. Yeah. But I, like I said, I don't know these people's motivation. Maybe they just felt like dressing like that. Maybe they thought it'd make them look cool. But for fours, their whole being is being different. Um, and like I said, it's just, it, they're, they're very misunderstood people because you think like, how do you go through this range of emotions at one time? And they think this is normal. This is what I'm, this is life. Like mm-hmm. I can be sad because it's a sad thing to happen. Oh, they're also re- very good with words. They can paint a picture um, like nobody's business, a word picture, you know, cause they, they have all these emotions and they can put a name to the things they're feeling. So whereas I'm like, this person's happy, this person's sad. They're like, oh, melancholy and oh, dramatic and all, you know, they kind of lean into, into words of expression because they feel it and they can, you know, kind of show you, they let you into their world a little bit. Um, yeah, I think some other good fours on here, uh, Bob Dylan, uh, Cher, Stevie mm-hmm. Nicks. I would feel like a lot of Pr- artists are here. Oh yeah. Prince, Prince, look at Prince. Mm-hmm. He's purple. He's wearing heels. He's got assless chaps on. Can I say assless? Yeah. He's got assless chaps yeah. on. You know, that is a different person. And he's fine with it. He changed his name, the artist formerly known as Prince. Then he changed it back. And then it was just a symbol. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's very different. And he's a be- like a beautiful musician. Uh, and he's very withdrawn. People don't know a lot about a lot pr- about Prince, right? Even when he passed away, people were like, well, what, what, was, ha- what was happening? Mm-hmm. Where has he been? He had just been on Twitter for like a year. That was the most active he had been, you know, socially. Um, so yeah, those are the ones. I think Sarah McLaughlin's on the list. Oh, yeah. Uh, I bet when she gets sad, she listens to sad music and watches <laughs> puppy videos. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, those are, those are our fours. Um, you got any questions about the fours? No, I think I get it. Yeah. Those yeah. Are, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like pop culture fours, right? Uh, like maybe if I was doing like Winnie the Pooh, I'd say maybe Eeyore is a four, right? Because yeah. you just kind of can sit in that melancholy mode and not really have to have to come out of that. He's just he's fine. Yeah, 
I kind of feel like that a lot of fours uh, are probably like are not looking for celebrity in terms of like uh, where number three would be somebody who's like uh, seeking out that type of fame. I feel like that for a four who's consumed by, you know, keeping it real and being authentic and uh, not being fake, I feel like that uh, that they would not necessarily be as attracted to the trappings of fame. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're authentic in that way, right? Um, so maybe it's not fame that they want, but again, they still have romantic thoughts of what could be. So they're probably thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to make it, and I'm going to have all the lights on me, and people are going to love me, and I'm going to walk in, they're going to adore me, I'm going to have beautiful like curtains in my house and like tapestries, and you know." So that stuff can get to all of us. Again, we all have a little bit of all of this in us. This is just the one that they've leaned on the most. Okay. All right. Chappelle, before we get to the uh, next type of person, can we mm-hmm. take a moment and thank a sponsor? Sure. Okay. I want I know fitness is important to you, Chappelle. I know that you're mm-hmm. that you're out there on the Insta going to your training, but there's a w- there's another way, Chappelle. Beach Body on demand because they have got a great offer for our listeners, a free trial membership that you could try out Beach Body on demand in the comfort of your home. Just text RHAP to 303030. 30. Of course, uh Beach Body on demand, they are helping you. You have to wait until the new year that you can get started as the holidays are creeping up on uh, getting in shape. The you know, the quarantine 15 is a thing, Chappelle. Yeah, I've met it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Beachbody on demand can help you with your fitness goals, even surviving the most tempting holiday uh, dinner and desserts that are out there because Beachbody on demand, the company behind P90X and Sanity 21 Day Fix, they've got new programs like Muscle Burns Fat and 80 Day Obsession with your favorite trainers, Tony Horton, Joel Freeman, that's my guy, Autumn Calabrese, they've got the best programs around for bodybuilding, weight training, cardio, yoga, high-intensity interval training, even dance workouts. You work out in as short as 10 minutes a day that don't require a ton of extra equipment. In the time it would take you to drive and park at the gym, you could be finished working out. You could access the program anytime, anywhere on your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, and more. And of course, you can try it for free. I like Lift Four. It's a good, good uh, setup there where you're doing a couple of days of lifting, a couple of days with the high intensity interval training with Joel. You're going to want to get on board with this great offer. Text RHAP to 303030 and get that special free trial membership. You'll get full access to the entire platform, all the workouts, nutritional information, and support. Absolutely free. Just text RHAP to 303030 for Beach Body on demand. All right. You don't have to be an achiever to do that, Chappelle. No, 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 no. You said you are not an achiever. And I've no. seen your home gym now. I was in your garage earlier. Yes. And yeah, you got a good setup. So I think you're good. I got a lot of stuff. Okay. But you don't yeah, need a lot of stuff for the out. beach body in the man. You can do body weight not exercises. They got something for yeah. everybody. Okay. All right. Where are we going now? The, the thinkers. Yeah. So we're going to go to the thinking triad. These are... Uh, cerebral types, you know, but um, they, they they just their primary like way of 
perceiving the world is through their thoughts first. Um, and so you have uh, five, six, and seven. Um, the, the A good thing to note about the thinkers is that their primary motivation is fear. So they're afraid of things. And so they think about it and then it processes and then they, you know, they kind of present themselves in these ways. Mm-hmm. And so um, we will start with five. Uh, I don't know what, are you looking at your chart? What is five called on there? Is it the investigator? I'm seeing the investigator. Yeah, I I prefer the observer, observer. you know, but I am no I am no professional at this. I'm just talking. Um, fives are. You sound very professional about this. Thanks. I try to. That's yeah. great. I know people are going to eat me up in the comments, but this is fun. No, we, uh, we got rid of the comments. Oh, well, never mind then. This yeah. is great. Then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm consummate professional. Okay. So fives. Fives are investigators. They are, like I said, cerebral types for sure. But their thing is that the world is scary and they don't know what's out there. And so in order to face the world, they are going to learn as much as they can about it. Right. They are going to research and they're going to investigate and they're going to make charts and they're going to make graphs and they are going to just hoard knowledge Mm. because they don't want to go outside because outside is scary. Yeah. And I can't go outside until I have all the things in my head, right? And so I find in my life that the fives are the type of people who have like the twelve, uh, the twelve like uh, pages of Google open up, mm-hmm. and they're just constantly going through them. And you, when you ask them a question before they answer, they'll take a little bit longer, you know, because they want to make sure that they're correct or they want to make sure that they have all the information. A five's biggest fear is being incompetent. They don't want to be in a situation where they don't know what they need to know to, to succeed, right? Um, or to be safe, I guess I should say. Um, so fives spend their time researching. And they feel like almost like researching is the same as doing something. Mm-hmm. So let me, let, me, let me tell you a story. Let's say I said, hey, we really need to build this bookshelf. And I tell a three to build the bookshelf. The three is going to go out and they're going to go buy the, the wood and the hammer and the nails and all the stuff. They're going to come back. They're going to build the bookshelf and it's going to be done. And they're going to hand it to you and say, look, look what I did. And it might be the ugliest bookshelf ever, but you, they got it done. They, they won. They succeeded. Right. If you tell a five to build that same bookshelf, the five is going to say, okay, well, let me look at uh, what kind of wood I'm going to need. Okay. This kind of wood is a, uh, Okay, I think they recalled this kind of wood in 1964, so probably mm-hmm. not gonna go with this one. But but I might still get it because you know it it still looks like it's useful. I don't know. Maybe I'll just I'll just put that over here. Well, let me go look at the nails. Now these kind of nails are one type, but then these nails are a little sturdier, but they're more expensive. And then six months later, you're still waiting on your bookshelf. But the five has like look at all the the research. I've gotten all the knowledge together. But they mm-hmm. haven't done the thing, right? They haven't done it. It's really hard for them to take action without feeling like they are ready, you know, like they've done the necessary research. And so, um, like I said, they come off as cerebral types because they are. They're just in their heads about it. Not, not to say they're smarter than anybody else, but just they have to feel like they are prepared um, for whatever. And so they want to research it to the point where, like I said, it could end up in spreadsheets. It could end up just, you know, files in their head. It's... um. Their, their, their goal is to not to be seen as capable, you know? Yeah. Sounds yeah. exhausting. Doesn't it? But, you know, researching isn't that hard, actually. You know, you could, you could Google something right now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and for the fives listening, they're Googling it. They look this up. 
So when mm-hmm. they heard me talking about fives, if they hadn't already been looking it up, oh, they're looking it up. And they took the quiz too. There's an Enneagram quiz. I just blew, blew past that because the quiz really doesn't do any justice because the quiz doesn't know you, right? We're yeah. talking about your motivations. If it says, if the quiz says, do you like to go outside? You like to be inside? Sure, we all like to be inside sometimes. We like to be outside sometimes. But the Enneagram is saying to your core, how do you feel when, when someone asks you a question? Does that make you want to think some more? And for a five, oh yeah, they want to think about it. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they're at home right now, Rob, and they're listening to this and they are Googling away. And they're trying to figure out, how do you know this about me? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because they want to understand things, you know? And the world is scary. And, 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 and fives, fives see that. And they just, they're not ready to jump out there until they feel well-equipped. Yeah. So yeah. in the uh, Colton podcast that he had me mm-hmm. as a five, and I would say that uh, fear is a huge motivation for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that necessarily like I spend most of my time uh, researching and I definitely don't work on a lot of charts. Right. And you have a, you have a long social battery. You can talk to people all day. Yeah. I mean, it's your job. Don't get me wrong, but you have no issue with that. Fives have a very short social battery or, or I'll say limited because you can yeah. be an extroverted five, but the way fives look at the day is that they wake up in the morning and I have a battery life of a hundred percent and I have 12 things I need to do before I get to 10. And by 10, I need to be going home because I need to recharge and I need to, you know, go back into my shell and I need to do more research. And so they're looking at the day as how much can I get done before I hit this battery life? Because once I get it done, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And if I was the type of person to leave the function and not tell you, like when I say they're out of there, they are gone. <laughs> can you be more than one Enneagram or are you sort of like, no, this is what you are and you are locked in. You are one thing. Yeah, you're one thing. So here's okay. the thing. You are, you are one number. You will always be one number and it cannot change. I think Myers-Briggs, you can actually change um, because based off of your environment, you know, but I think what, what it comes back to here is your core motivation. So even if you're in a situation where you can't do all the research, let's say you're a five and you don't have a, a computer and you don't have a book and you're stuck with, you know, with me all day and I'm just talking your ear off, you know, they're probably driving them crazy, but they can do it. You know, mm-hmm. now once they finally get away from me, Jesus, they're going to go research. <laughs> when they get back to what they can, they're going to go back into that mode. You know, they're always going to default. And let's just say we're all, all of the numbers. We're all, yeah. you know, we're all whole humans. Uh, but for them, that just kind of, that researching part, that gets, that energizes them. That gives them the, the will to go out into the real, you know, into the world and tackle all the, the tough things in life. I do tend to have a lot of tabs open. Yeah, but you got a lot of stuff going on too. You got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff that I like. Yeah. Uh, looking at that, uh, that's that seems like a lot of work. Or right, I'll come back to yeah. that later. Yeah, fives are the people who made it to like the fourth or fifth page on the Google search. Mm. You know, yeah. you know. Listen, if we don't get it in the first three or four, then we Google the wrong thing. <laughs> but fives, yeah, they're like they're like on the next page. <laughs> they're two three pages in. Uh, yeah, they're checking the resources. The yeah. resources in the back. You know, so that's that's a five for you. Yeah. Um. But like I said, typically they're withdrawn like fours. Right. They are. Yeah. But uh, and, but again, when, when the numbers are next to each other on the chart, they have traits of each, right? Mm-hmm. So fives, you can be a five and be, you know, closer to four in like yeah. the way you perceive the world. But at the end of the day, you are going to go back to that investigative researching person that you are. Yeah. I feel like that uh, I could see Steven as more of a five. What do you think of that? I don't know Stephen's research habits, but I do have an idea of what I think Stephen is, and we haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Uh, I feel like yes. it's, uh, maybe Cochran also. Maybe. Cochran's a good one to think about because Cochran 
is reclusive. Mm-hmm. And fives a lot of times are because they have to they have to be prepared to go out into the real world. And I remember listening to you talk to Park to Cochran and he'll be like, I haven't left my house. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. been eating like eating pizza and Cheetos or something like all day. And you know, I haven't mm-hmm. seen any humans. But then when he comes out, he's fine. The question is, where's Cochran now? And so I think, yeah, I think that's a good example. I'm looking at this list of famous um fives. And of course you have your Bill Gates and your Mark Zuckerbergs. Um, but you also have uh Dr. House from House. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's not the oh, that's another thing about fives. They're not warm, cuddly people a lot of times. Because like I said, people take a lot of energy. Emotion takes a lot of energy, and they only have so much. And they have to be ready, you know, in case something happens. So they don't have a lot to give to uh, and I found some of my favorite people are fives, but it's definitely a, a you have to understand that they need their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were talking about how how you can approach twos knowing that they might be, you know, helpers. I think approaching fives is knowing that even though they might come off a little prickly come off a little standoffish that they like people. You just have to let them come to you on their own time, you know? And when you, when it's, and they're good to be around, they're people that you can, you can tell a five anything and they're never going to get out because they're very selfish with their own information. You know, they're not going to tell you a lot about their life. That's why I said probably not Steven. Because Steven's kind of, you know, he, he talks freely pretty much on the on podcast and stuff like that. But a five, a five is the type of person to have, uh, you know something about me and this person knows something about me and I can never let you two people link up because I don't want y'all mm-hmm. having too much information about me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm looking again. Jodie Foster is listed on here as a five. Um, let's see. Uh, Tim Burton. Uh, Stephen King. Emily Dickinson. Vincent Van Gogh. Albert Einstein. So, yeah. Brain types, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What you think? These are like our raven claws. No. Nah. <laughs> As a Slytherin, I try to not not pigeonhole people into lesser houses. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, sure, sure. I, you know, whatever. Okay. You want to give Ravenclaws that kind of clout? Fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's how fives are. They just they just like to be prepared, and they they like to arm mm. themselves with their armor is knowledge. Okay. All right. Sound good. That sounds good. Let's talk about six. All right. Six is where I think Steven might lie. Yes. Six, sixes are called, what are they called in your chart? The loyalist. All right. Let's talk about Mr. Fishback. Yes. So from what we know about Survivor, we know he was loyal to JT. Yes. And that didn't work out great, but they are still great friends. You mm-hmm. know, uh, he was loyal to Jeremy. That didn't work out great. Mm-hmm. He's pretty loyal to you, Rob, it seems. You know, you kind of, he doesn't get too far. You know. Yeah. You, you got Steven. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're called the loyalists, but I don't really think that's the biggest personality. T- like, like that's not the biggest indicator for sixes for me. Sixes like fives are afraid, but their fear is more like anxiety. Okay. And so it's a constant anxiety. So Rob, what if I told you that people, there are people in the world who always wake up and say, what if something, what if something bad happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if it rains? What if, what if it's snowing outside? What if the tornado hits? What if the lights go out? You know, mm-hmm. they default to that line of thinking. It's kind of always in their head, like a, like, a, like a cyclone of just thoughts of what if this happens? What if that happens? Um, they are super reliable people. They are hardworking. They are responsible. They are trustworthy. Um, but they are good troubleshooters because they're always thinking about what could go wrong. Yes. So whereas fives are like, let me get the knowledge and I'm fine. Sixes are never fine because they are always thinking about what can go wrong. Hmm. Okay. It's kind of like they're just, that's their, 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 their go-to. I don't know who Colton picked as the survivor version of a six, but I think sixes 
are hard to place because there's so many of them. Half the world by Enneagram, like, you know, popular Enneagram, like knowledge is a six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they are, it's normal to be, to wonder what could go wrong. Right. Um, Think about it all the time. Six pa- yeah. Yeah. Six parents can, six parents will typically look like, well, make sure you don't talk to strangers and make sure you, you mm-hmm. wash your hands. But, you know, we all have those thoughts, but sixes have that thought all the time, you know, um, to the point where it can kind of be debilitating. Like they like like fives. They think that their line of thinking is almost like doing like, oh, my gosh, I'm thinking about all the things that could go wrong. It's like, well, when are you going to do the thing? When are you going to step out on that ledge, my friend? You know, I would understand. But sixes, they just don't get it. They are constantly questioning themselves. Um, They have a interesting feeling about authority. So six is the type of person who could tell you who's in charge at all times. They can tell you who's in charge in the room because they need to be able to blame somebody when it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they also need to be able to lean on somebody for things to go right. So it's like, if I'm a six and I'm afraid of bad things happening, I want to follow the rules, right? There are rules set in place. And if I follow the rules, everything will be okay. And if they're not okay, who made the rules? Who's that guy? You know, um, there are two types of sixes. Sixes is the only number of Enneagram where you can just divide it in, in two. Uh, and they actually kind of merge into each other. So at any given time in your life, you can be this kind of six or that kind of six. If you're a six, it's just kind of like there are two switches. Um, phobic sixes are sixes that are afraid of the thing and they won't do the thing, right? They see it. They're terrified. They like, oh, I need to go to Walmart, but there are so many people in there and I don't care. They have masks on, but I just can't, you know, I can't do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not safe. You know, they won't go in there. A counterphobic six is the type of person who has that same fear, but they're rebellious and they will go in there anyway and they will be terrified, but they'll do the thing. And six is kind of like they range in that mode in that their whole life, you know, kind of some people say half their life, they're one way, half their life the other way. But I've heard interviews where people have said, no, I'm fine until X, Y, Z happens. And then I'm boom, the other way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, any sixes? <sighs> um, do you think Steven is a six? Yeah, I mean, I could, uh, I could see that, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that, um, there's a lot of different factors there to, uh, in, include into it, uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, like everything that we're talking about. Yeah. They want to feel security. They uh, I mean, feel I'm trying safe. to figure out if I am a six. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you, well, listen, you started thinking about five Yeah, and you say, huh, this sounds kind of familiar and five is right next to six. And now you're like, huh? Okay. So. Let's say you think you, so you think you want to be a six, right? Mm-hmm. So things you need to know about sixes is that they're always imagining planning for the worst. They mm-hmm. got kind of a pessimistic spirit about them. Um, they don't trust people who are in authority, but they need people who to be in authority, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people say they're loyal and understanding and compassionate. And most of their friends, don't, they just feel like most of their friends don't have as much anxiety as they do. They're always kind of like, well, why aren't you afraid of this? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't that bother you? Why are you so comfortable doing these things that you're doing? Um, they act quickly in a crisis. Like you can count on a six to jump when it's when it when it, when it's time. They're gonna they're gonna take that leap, but yeah. then afterwards they like have the breakdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, um, let's see. They always want to be sure they made the right decision. Yeah, but it's almost impossible to do that, right? So that's that's their paradox, right? They you want to be right, but there's certainty is something that is not uh promised, and they're always in the search for certainty. Mm-hmm. And and that sucks because it's exhausting to kind of think, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And people want you to relax, and you're like, I can't relax because the things might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's a six for you in a nutshell. 
um, they're not comfortable with extremes a lot because when things are extreme, they can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, like what kind like of extremes? Be, like, let's say a six wouldn't like to be the best at anything. Yeah. Because when things start to get too good, I mean, things are pro- sometimes they're going to go bad. Right. And so they're kind of like on pins and needles waiting for the ball to drop. Waiting mm-hmm. to find out that, oh, God, this isn't, oh, no, they found me out. Or, you know, maybe I'm not as good. Or they start to question things, even in relationships. When they are in a relationship and everything is going great, they start thinking, well, why do, do you really like me? Like, mm-hmm. what, what is it that's keeping you here? What am I doing? And if I, if I change a little bit, were you going to not like me anymore? Um, and people will see that in them and tell them, like, hey, relax. Stop being so pessimistic. You're great. Um, but they don't really trust people who give them too many compliments. They don't trust themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't trust yourself, it's hard to trust other people. And sixes have trust issues. And so that's the mark of a six. And like I said, you could have six traits. You could be a five and just really be in touch with that sickness, sixness of it all. But if you are a six, you know that feeling of, well, why don't people care? You know, why don't people, why aren't people as nervous as I am? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so you might stew on that if you think you might be a six. Yeah. All right. Let me think about that a little bit, a little bit more. I feel like there's some things that are really making sense, and other things I'm like, eh, not as much. Okay. Well, what's not making sense? <sighs> um, I feel like that you know, uh, the search for certainty. I I can relate to that. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that. I I never quite really can say like, okay, is but is this is this really is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this right? Yeah. So that's not the same as a search for safety, though, right? Like for certainty and like security. Mm -hmm. That's more like, am I doing the right thing morally? Yeah. Sixes are more like, am I going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Is everything going to be fine? Yeah. I mean, I ask that question a lot too, Chappelle. Yeah. That's a good question to ask. I think Mm -hmm. we should all ask that question. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Spoiler alert. I don't think you're a six. Okay. All right. If you are six, you're the expert. You're the expert. I am not the expert. Stop this. People are listening. Gosh. Um, did I tell you about your eyes? I mean, they're really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Yes. So yeah, let's change the subject. Okay. Um, are you ready to move? Well, we didn't talk about like notable sixes. Notable we sixes. About yeah. Fishbacks. He's notable. Um, okay. Let's yeah. look at notable sixes. I um, do feel like George that. George Costanza. Okay. Yes. Yes. I was going to say that. I do feel like that Steven is like more neurotic than I am. Mm-hmm. And that's a very neurotic type. What about, how do you feel about George Costanza being a six? Hmm. Um, I don't know. The George Costanza is very a very broken man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of on the on the brand for Seinfeld, for what I understand. Like mm-hmm. they're all kind of they're all kind yeah. of pieces. Who of else people. you got? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. The list says Julia Roberts, Ellen Page, Diane Keaton, Paul Rudd, Ellen DeGeneres. I can see that she's got shifty eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, David Letterman, Andy Rooney. Mark Twain, George H.W. Bush, uh, mm. Melissa Etheridge, Eminem, Oliver Stone, Michael Moore, a ton yeah. of people, Spike Lee. And I think none of these I people say that can George be... George H.W. Bush and Eminem, I feel like, are, are pretty similar. Uh, they probably see the world in a very... They perceive the world in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. But their actions don't have to dictate that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, we, you can... Listen, you can be the valedictorian and be a six. It's probably just a little bit more stressful than you for you than it is for a three, right? Um, or you could be the valedictorian and be a five because you have all the information and you're researching everything and you want it, you know. So you can you can a- accomplish the same things and be a different number, uh, which is why I wasn't so ready to write off five for you when uh, Colton said you were like Bob Crowley because if he's basing it off y'all's games, then no, 
But also, if he's basing it off of what he knows about you, then I wouldn't have said you were a five. But mm-hmm. something that we should think about, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Are you okay with moving forward? Yes. You got more questions yes. about sixes? No, I'm good. All right. So now we're going to talk about sevens. Uh, on your chart, it probably says the enthusiast. Yeah, or so the I have epicurist. two different tabs open now. Uh, mm-hmm. So they called the last one that the loyalist, but they also called it the troubleshooter. And I noticed that you know, uh, said that word troubleshooter as well. Yeah, that's the what the what if of it all, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, they're good in analytical um, jobs because yeah. their job is to find out what's wrong with this. Yeah, and that's where they look at the world. That's their that is how they see everything. So they're like, oh, this is my bread and butter. You know, tell me, tell me how I can tell you how this is going to go wrong for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what you got for seven on your chart? Uh, I see on both of these tabs of the enthusiast. Oh, sounds like that's the one. Yeah. Okay. So sevens are busy. They're uh, variety seeking thinkers, and so whereas fives think and they become reclusive because they have to just bring in their, you know, they have to bring in as much knowledge before they can go out and then they have to go back inside and do that all over again. And sixes are always saying, what if something happens? What if something happens? What if something happens? Sevens are always thinking about the future. They're always thinking about what's the next cool thing that I can do to distract me from my fear. Mm-hmm. And sevens fear pain. So sevens are the type of person that you look for, look at, and they do not look fearful at all. They kind of come off actually kind of fearless. Because you see the exuberance and the enthusiasm that they that they have for life and all the things that they're doing, um, but they're just doing that so they don't have to face the hard stuff in life. Mm. Um, so whereas fours can just sit in sadness, there is not a seven on this planet that can sit in sadness. It just doesn't happen. They uh they get they get sad and they think about ways to make themselves happy, and if that takes you know. Oh, well, I need to go and call my best friend and we can laugh about something or I need to go binge watch this TV show or I need to go to the, you know, whatever. I need to do this. I need to go on this trip. Sevens are always in motion because of their thoughts. They're thinking and then they go do the thing because it sounds so exciting in their head. So they got to try it. Um, And so they're avoiding a lot of pain. They're avoiding and they can tell you about their pain, too, yeah. with, with like almost with a smile on their face, because in their mind, they've reframed it to not be so bad. Uh, because it pains too hard for them. So they just lean into happiness um, and fun and optimism. So the way sixes see things as a pessimist, sevens are the opposite way. They always think, well, that's not so bad because you could just do this or well, it could be worse, but there's this still. And wouldn't it be exciting if we did this? I know it's COVID and the sevens somewhere are struggling probably because they're probably looking at ways to kind of fill in their time rather than just sitting in how depressing, you know, this time could be for some people. Um, they are scattered. They're unreliable, but just not at, not in action, more like in their, at their core, the way they see the world. They would like to be reliable, but it's really hard to commit to, to helping you if I've committed to 19 other things because I'm just the person who is having all the fun, right? So people are like, come to my party. And they're like, I'll get back to you because what if something better comes along? You know, they're, they're, they're that person. They just find an exuberance in life and they use that to fill up all of their, like the emptiness. But again, that's not how life works. There's, there's light and there's dark and they have to sit in the dark. And it's just really hard for sevens to do that. Yeah. Makes sense. So basically that they just move on from like, uh, okay, this is a, this is a painful thing to, to think about or to sit with this part of my life. So I'm just going to distract myself and do something different and not yeah. really address the sort of like underlying thing that's happening. Yeah. And they're like that with everything. 
I'm talking about with everything. It's like a like a like a light switch. So it's kind of like when the need or like a, a like a meter. So like when the needle starts to go to not happy, they go right back to happy. And so they don't know that other people sit in sadness and they don't understand why, you know, because in their minds, like, well, if you're not happy, why don't you go get happy? Um, they're gluttonous. It's like their thing is to have they have they want so much of everything. So much of whatever it is, I want more. I want more. I want more. Why? Because if everything is filled up, then I don't have to, you know, acknowledge the things that aren't there, the pain, all that stuff. I just want to keep stacking experiences and stuff on top of it. They are jacks of all trades. They've they've seen it all. They've been there. They've talked about it. They've, you know, because they're always in everything. They're just everywhere. They're just trying to take in as much stuff, anything to distract them from, you know, what's probably most important, which is, you know, feelings and and being you know present for people they're just not they're not good at it hmm thoughts <sighs> yeah uh i mean i feel like that i uh can relate to parts of that also mm-hmm. i mean this is uh you know this is tr- tricky now as i'm trying to figure out what, what i am I, mean, I definitely feel like i don't s- uh, dwell in sadness and i feel like mm-hmm. that uh, you know if something is unpleasant i say well just better not think about that anymore uh and yeah. move on to another thing uh where you know that's something that i certainly talk about with uh my wife who you know uh you know can be uh, like okay something's bothering her she's going to stick with that a l- little bit more but i feel like that if mm-hmm. something is uh you know bothering me a lot of times uh i will say okay well let me just try to move on and uh that's not a fun thing to be thinking about i I also have things that i uh cannot get over that happen to me Mm -hmm. also Chappelle. so uh, i really um you know i'm very confused no no it's fine i'm not accusing you of being a seven at all i'm just saying that you know that's how their default tombs right so you, you might have to make the conscious effort to say you know what i'm not dealing with this i choose happiness sevens don't have to make that conscious effort they do it automatically so where you would think oh my god that's devastating they're devastated too in that moment and then seconds later or minutes later or however long it takes they're out of it and mm-hmm. they don't have to sit down and say what can i do to make myself happy their mind just defaults to i'm looking for the happy thing i'm looking for the fun i'm looking for some entertainment uh sevens are obsessed with other people's lives colton said he was a seven and this mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense because sevens don't like to be trapped in anything because they want to be out and they want to view, they want to, you know, in, indulge in everything that's around them. See, so I don't want to be out. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be out. Colton was on an island and he did not have a good time. And uh, he is very much, if he is a seven, as he says, then that means he was, tra- he felt trapped and he stressed out about it and then he started to act not like himself uh which is normally kind of bubbly and upbeat according mm-hmm. to you know enneagram language and he got there and he got to the point where the people weren't doing what he wanted to do the way he wanted to do it and he wasn't having a good time and so he quit um and it it's it's tough for sevens because they hate being trapped and i mean i don't think you know being on the island for colton that ended up without caleb i think is how it ended up being trapped right mm-hmm. um you know, had Caleb been there, I think he'd been fine. Uh, you know, how, you saw how he was the first time, I guess, kind of. He seemed to be having a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, he did. Yeah. So sevens are good for taking their ball and going home. But they're also they bring so much exuberance to the room that if they're not having a good time, you kind of feel it. They uh, they're the type of person where you're like, well, it was fun until you stopped talking. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's like, well, why are you not talking? What's wrong? And so they're not allowed to kind of not be having a good time. Um, I've no, I've heard like what sevens will say like, oh well, I went to a funeral and I slept through it. 
And even though they really cared about the person who was there, they just couldn't be present in that, you know? And so they defaulted to sleep. Now, don't get me wrong. They probably regret sleeping through it. They're probably going to miss that person or they really wish they were at the funeral, but their mind just went to like, you got to do something else. So they're the type of person to text through something like that or talk through it or make jokes at the funeral, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just so they don't have to be present in the pain. Yeah. You have any famous, uh, famous sevens? Yes, I do. And I have a good example too. Okay. So uh, have you ever seen the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird documentary? I have not. Okay. So I think it's on YouTube, but I'm sure you could just Google it. It's probably on Netflix. Um, Magic Johnson is pretty one note throughout that whole documentary, kind of like Michael Jordan is through his. Michael Jordan's personality trait was winning. Magic Johnson's personality trait is that he has a good time. He has a Mm -hmm. lot of fun. Yeah. That's him. That is magic. That's why they call him magic. He walks in the room. He lights up the state. Everybody loves Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson ends up getting diagnosed with, uh, with HIV. Yeah. And he did an interview. And in his interview, or was it a press conference? I can't remember. But he said, you know, this is new and this is different. And we're going to, I'm going to beat it. And I'm going to have fun doing it. That is the most seven quote of all time. He, at, in that day and age, to be, you know, stricken with this disease that people saw as a death sentence and to find, and to find a way to say, we're going to have fun. So mm-hmm. are you crazy? There's nothing fun about that. But for Magic Johnson, it just made sense, you know? And that's what, like I said, that's why they call him Magic, because he's all about fun. Sure, he's a good basketball player, but people have positive things to say about Magic Johnson all the time. And when I said that Sevens don't like to be trapped and stuff, you know, like we talked about Colton quitting or whatever, um, Sevens are the type of person to have, like, seven or eight different careers not jobs but careers because they bounce from one thing to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and think about magic johnson's last career he quit the front office of the lakers in the middle of the season and when they asked him about like well so what's the organization gonna do moving forward he said i don't know but i ain't gonna be there and he laughed about it only a Mm -hmm. seven will be able to quit something so public and so like in front of everybody and just be able to laugh and be like i don't know what y'all gonna do but i ain't gonna be there that is a seven in a nutshell. That is, he is the consummate seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that I think I'm ruled out. I don't think I'm a seven. Yeah. I didn't think you were either. But other sevens are um, Cameron Diaz, mm-hmm. um, uh, Robin Williams, Jim mm-hmm. Carrey, Mike Myers, Bruce Willis, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Ma- uh, Malcolm Forbes. Uh, I see Joe Biden on this list. That worries me. Mm-hmm. you feel like he <laughs> could just quit I don't know if he'll quit but that second term he better have fun the first time because if not <laughs> that second term might not happen <laughs> he, he might, he might, I ain't gonna be here <laughs> yeah listen I'm not saying Joe was one of the last people to announce that he was gonna run for president mm-hmm. and I mean if he's a seven that makes sense because he's thinking that doesn't sound like fun mm-hmm. you know that I don't want to do that um Sevens, like I said, for them, being in charge is not probably the best thing for a seven. You know, typically they, uh, they're not reliable in that way, right? Because if they're not having a good time, you can't count on them. Uh, most times they, they, they will try and they will be a good friend for you like everybody else will. But I mean, if they're in a situation where they feel trapped like a four-year bid in the White House, I know that was, yeah, somebody pushed them to that one. I wouldn't be surprised if Barack was, wasn't behind the scenes going, you yeah. know, it could Keep be it fun. Get some ice cream. Yeah, keep it fun. Okay. Happy yeah, birthday, Joe yeah. Biden. Yes. And if you and if you look at Joe Biden, even in his interactions with the press and stuff like that, he's like doing the finger guns, bang bang, and like winking at the cameras, and he's having the time of his life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if Joe Biden is a seven. This thing says he's a seven, but you know, whatever. I haven't talked to him, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what you think? About sevens? Yeah, give me a survivor seven. What you think? Somebody who's just out there for a good time. Ooh, you know who's probably a good example? Who? Jerry Manthe. Jerry Manthe, seven. Yeah, hear me, hear me out. Yeah. When she did that interview with you, she's done it all. She was a model. She's an actress. She's she was at Burning Man. She was over here. She dated this person. In her interview, the entire time, she was just like, I mean, y'all were so great together. Now I don't know if she's a seven, uh, but I mean, she's lived a, a good life. I mean, music videos and all this other stuff. Just a little bit of everything, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Very much the Epicurus. Yeah. Uh. What about Penner? What about Penner? You know Penner better than me. Is Penner is Penner the type of person who, who's bouncing around? He's very fun to be around. He's, very he's a fun very funny person yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. So the thing with sevens is that they're they are excellent brainstormers, right? They like to they'll sit down with you and they'll talk it out. Uh I, I, I think they're probably better, better like caricatures of survivor characters that are probably better than Penner. Like who's like our class clowns of whatever, of whatever um season, right? Like just the Tyson? funny person who just gets Maybe like Tyson. Maybe yeah, I like think Tyson, Tyson might yeah. be a good example. Yeah, maybe like Tyson. Because Tyson Tyson's not like going to a... sit with sadness. You know, he's going to yeah. like, uh, you know, that he, mm-hmm. that he like is, is probably, you know, if you were at a funeral, like he is going to be the person who is like uh, joking around and it doesn't right. often like do the like the serious gear. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, Tyson is, yeah, he's, he's, like one of the funniest survivor characters that you're ever going to see. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think he'd be a, a great example. I can't think of another good, like Tyson esque person though. Um, trying to think maybe, maybe coach even, um, mm-hmm. coaches, you know, he's quite the Epicurus. He's been everywhere and he's, 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 he's a good conversation. Um, you know, he's funny. Uh, even if he, I don't know if he knows he's being funny half the time, but he's hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, seven, those are sevens. They just they they don't like being trapped and stuff, but they they, they don't like commitment either. They, you know, they're just they're here for a good time, not a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You okay. Sound good. You good with those? I'm good. I'm good with that. Yes. All right. We'll be right back with Chappelle to explore the final triad of the Enneagrams, uh, the instinctive Enneagrams. But first, let me take a moment and uh, thank a sponsor. Those are our friends over at Features, features features.com. They, for 20 years, have been solely focused on delivering the unsurpassed performance sock. And a great pair of socks can be the perfect holiday gift for everyone on your list no matter their Enneagram number or their shoe size number, because with features, every pair feels like a custom fit. I've gotten to try a number of pairs of feature socks. They're unlike any of the other socks that I have because they have such a sturdy construction that feels different from any of the other socks that I have. Plus, they have an L and an R, so I know which foot I'm putting them on to make sure that the right, just like you have a a left shoe and a right shoe that the socks are supposed to go on the right foot. They feel great all day long and they hold up depending on what level of cushion you like, what ankle length and more elite runners around the world. They love feature socks for years, but they're not just for runners anymore. They've got a huge range of tailored socks for cycling, running, 
plantar fasciitis relief, and more with zone-specific compression for targeting support. No slipping, bunching, or sliding. I wore these on a plane, and my feet didn't swell up like that happens on other, not to get like too much into me, but they were wonderful. They have an anatomical design that conforms to both of your feet to prevent blisters. No other sock gives you that custom fit the way that features do, and they have a lifetime guarantee. What? A lifetime guarantee for your socks? Yes. Try getting this anywhere else. If you're unsatisfied at any point, 20 years from now, you'll get a replacement pair. No questions asked. They've got tons of styles to choose from, and they're family-owned since day one. You can get $10 off your first pair of features just in time for the holidays. Use promo code RHAP at features.com for $10 off your first pair. That's F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com. Get it? Features.com. Promo code R-H-A-P. All right. Let's get back to Chappelle and talk about the Enneagrams. Okay. Before we go into the last triad, I have to ask, are you following this a little bit better? Uh, certainly certainly all right cool i was very nervous to talk to you i'm not gonna lie i was like about I this? those comments yeah this yeah. is not my you keep calling me an expert but i would rather talk about big brother any day <laughs> yes uh, are there yes. many subjects that you feel like that uh this is not even like in the top 10 of your areas of expertise i feel like that this is like a different side of you that we're having on, on this podcast today is that a bad thing? Like, no, I, it's just not, you're so you know, people, you, you're so uh, like uh, multi layered. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm like over here, like shaky. Like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, don't do that. Um, yeah, no, I, I guess I can say I'm multi layered. I just, I, 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 yeah, I guess you can say that. This is like a, <laughs> like more of a serious side of you today. I wouldn't say serious. I thought we were having a good time. We're having, we're we're having, having a good, good we're having a good time, but I, I wouldn't say that this has been a very uh, silly episode. Oh, you're saying I haven't made any bidet jokes lately? <laughs> Not too fine. many. I mean, maybe. They, no, I mean, okay. there was still a whole triad to get through. Hey, you want to hear something real serious? Go listen to me talk about Fear the Walking Dead and the world beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'll post your recaps. That's, that's, yeah, that's when I get real serious. Mm-hmm. You know, Jessica Leeson and Ron Howard, <laughs> yes. Josh Wiggler. Yes, yes, weekly. Go check it out. All right, moving forward. You ready for the last three? Ready. All right. This is the gut. This is the body. These mm-hmm. people are, uh, they are driven by their urges to do, right? Not in the same way, like to achieve, but just they they don't think first. They don't feel first. They just do. Yeah. Um, and we're going to, we're going to start with eights. Eights are, should be listed on your chart as the challenger. The challenger. Yeah. Yeah, you really can't come up with another good name for eights because that's what they are. So let me let me talk about eights. I love a good eight. Eights are what you see is what you get. They are in front of you. They are very much in front of you. They are going to tell it like it is. They they like authenticity just as much as fours do. Um, but they are they they have a really close access to anger. Mm-hmm. They're right. Their anger is kind of like one of their default speeds. They're not always angry. But they can get there a lot easier than most people. Um, they are powerful. They're dominating. They're the boss. Okay. So the thing with eights is that they're the boss because they are the best people to be the boss. And you want them to be the boss. They want to be the boss and you want that person to be the boss. They kind of like demand attention. You know, like it's kind of like if you're doing a group project and everybody's like, I don't want to do a group project or whatever. The eight's the person where everybody just kind of can unanimously say that person's in charge. You mm-hmm. know, they got it because. That person just they have an air about themselves of I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the eight's primary motivation is to take control um, because they don't want to be controlled. So it's not that they want to be in control. They just realize if I'm in control, you can't control me. And so eights are, like I said, they're outspoken. They say what they mean. They mean what they say. And I, I like talking about eights because eights are, for men, eights are like looked at as the, just powerful figures, right? Even at young men, you know, like in school, they're the person that people admire. But eights, being a, a female eight, like a woman eight, is tough because at young young times in life, society doesn't look at those traits as positive traits in women, right? Yeah. So imagine being like a 16-year-old girl who's just sure of herself, right? And she's in class and the teacher says something like, you know, a little uh, something uh, offensive, you know? Whereas the rest of the class might be quiet. This young lady's going to stand up and say, oh no, that's a horrible thing you just said. You're a jerk. And mean it. You know, mm-hmm. and everybody might have been thinking it, but oh my God, did this 16 year old girl just call me a jerk? You know, and whereas society might look at a young man like that, like, look at him. He's, he's, he's got a mind for, you know, he's going to be good in the, in the, in the business room, you know, in the business world or in the, you know, uh, boardroom. Like they look at her and be like, oh my God, she's such a bitch. And mm-hmm. that's horrible, right? Because she didn't choose to be an eight. Life happened. And that's the life that, that, that's the, the car she was dealt. And that's what it led her to be. And so they grow up in situations where they are misunderstood, but by the time they're grown, they are the person in charge, just like a, a male eight would be. Um, a popular, the, one of the, the best depictions of an eight is our current president, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is here for the fight. They call eights the challenges for a reason. They are here to fight. Um, they, they will fight for a cause. They like, they like the underdog. They like finding out who is the disenfranchised person. And since they won't fight for themselves, I will fight for them. They don't value weakness at all. They don't see it, you know? So if you're coming at them weak, they don't even, you won't register on, on their radar. They just kind of, they blow you off. They want to be met head, head on because that's how they would meet you. Um, so eights, while they are powerful and resourceful and straight talking and, and decisive, sometimes they can be very abrasive. And we see that in Donald Trump. Uh, not to make this political at all, yeah. but Donald Trump is somebody who's going to say what he's going to say and you don't have to deal with it. And if you don't like it, fine. But I said it. They're predictable. You know? that you, you always know I, what they're going to do. You always know what it is going to do. Now, it, don't get me wrong. In a situation where it needs to be quiet, they can. Again, mm-hmm. we're all whole people. We, we have, like, this is, this, is, this is not a remote control that's going to make you act away all the time. You can be self-aware and you can grow and you can learn these things about you and then say, okay, well, I know this is about me. Maybe I need to turn down a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure Donald Trump has said, he has probably not said a lot more than he would like to have said. I'll put it like that. There's probably things that he's been keeping in the chamber that he's been dying to say that people have been saying, no, 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 no. You know, (laughs) don't do that. Um, And so, and I don't want to paint eights in a negative light because like I said, they're great for business. They're great Mm -hmm. for, if you need somebody to fight, fight with you the, the, the person who if you get cut in line somebody got the hops in front of you he's like, hey buddy get your you know get in the back of the line they're not gonna just stand over there and be walked over because they don't want to be walked over yeah um at their best they can use that strength that they have to improve other people's lives um and then at their worst they can be you know your worst nightmare if they want to yeah um but yeah that's that's eights you know they don't want to be controlled by other people right. so they take control Chappelle. Can you tell me the difference between an eight who we're talking about is somebody who is like a very take charge personality who's like looking for a fight and a three who is going to stop at nothing to win? 
Okay, because a three, not only do they want to win, but they want to be admired, right? So winning equals admiration for them. And so it's not about the fight. It's about you, you like me. And so eights and threes get themselves mixed up all the time because they both are very active, both very aggressive in what they want. They know how to go out and get it. The thing is, a three will be in a room with a bunch of people and say, I'm not going to say that. That's offensive. And an eight is going to have said it and meant it and stood in it. And mm-hmm. everybody might gasp and say, why would you say that? And they're going to be looking at you like, well, I don't understand. What's the problem? You know, they're straight shooters. Threes are mm-hmm. not necessarily straight, straight shooters. They're not authentic. Remember, that's the weakness of the three is that they're putting on airs. They're trying to show you, like, look how great I am. Where eight is saying, no, this is me. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And so it's a very different struggle. So think Lisa Welcher versus Donald Trump. Lisa Welcher is not going to say the thing, right? Mm-hmm. She's not. She's nice. She's 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 uh the, the nice Christian lady is uh Malcolm Calder. Um Donald Trump is gonna say the thing every time. Mm-hmm. And you're just gonna have to deal with it. And not to pick on Donald Trump. There are other good eights. Martin Luther King Jr. is an eight. Um, because again, he's well, he is straight talking. He's gonna say the thing. If he feels like you are saying something that's offensive, he's gonna say the thing. He's also fighting for the underdog in his in, you know, in his way. Um, um Barbara Walters, another a, a good uh, female uh, eight, a woman eight. She uh, people who work with Barbara Walters don't come away from Barbara Walters saying such great things about her all the time. Those people on the View sound like they're under duress a lot, wow. um, and <laughs> they do. I've seen, I've seen people say the things. We've heard the backstage arguments, and if you haven't, Google them. Um, but Barbara Walters is going to say what she's going to say. Another good example is Toni Morrison, um, the poet writer laureate. She a uh, civil rights activist. Tony Morrison was asked in an interview, like, how come you don't write about white people? And whereas, you know, a three might say, well, you know, that's not really something that I'm into or I really just want to tell black stories right now. Tony Morrison looked at that reporter and basically said, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact quote, but is, do you understand how amazingly racist that is? She called this lady racist for asking her a question. Mm-hmm. And although it might be a race related question and it might even come off racist, it might be racist. Did you have to say that? But at least they don't think twice about it. It's just their default, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we got some other eights on this list. Uh, Serena Williams, uh, Sean Connery, Paul Newman, Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin, Roseanne yeah. Barr. Yeah, these are people who are, you know, they're not hiding in any room. They're the person who, they're in the room and you're going to know it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. A lot of eights are think? fighting with other eights. Yeah, I think I think you can't put too many of them in. You know, there can only be one boss, and I think a lot of times you put them in charge, you put them in the same room, and yeah, you're yeah. gonna get some heat. A lot um, of eights on but, social media. I feel like. No, I think social media empowers people to be more outspoken. Ah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a different thing. You know, you might say something on social media and be able to step away from it. You know, a, a five could say something real quick and then cut the computer off, and then they don't have to deal with it until they come back. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Eights are the kind of person who, no, no, if you say something incorrect, they're going to correct you. Um, and then they're going to expect for you to say something back. They want to, they want to have that conversation. Yeah. They like provocative conversation. They like energy. And I think that's the thing with eight, nines, and ones. It's all about energy with them. But for eights, they are like, they are lusting after the energy. Um, they're the type of person that if you're at Thanksgiving dinner, nobody's talking about politics. We're talking about football and, you know, family and times. And they might sit around and just say something like, so what do you think about Donald Trump? And everybody's like, oh my God, you know, now <laughs> that we have a, a big conversation, right? You're like, why did you do that? Nobody wants to do that. But mm-hmm. for eights, they're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they they can eat it with a spoon. Yeah. They love it. 
Um, yeah. yeah. So that's eights. So what do you think? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that that's a very clear picture that you painted there with uh, the they're, eights. They're easy to paint a good picture of. Um, I think uh, I'm trying to think of some more good eights. Maybe like Magneto from uh, Magneto. Yeah, Magneto. Magneto is the the guy. He's going to say no, the thing. He's, yeah, he's, Magneto says the thing. He yeah. says the thing. You know, there's no there, you know where he stands at all times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They just they are the leader, and they're going to take it by force. And you no, know, most times you want them to have it because they're good at it. Hmm. Okay. Sound good. All right. Uh, Survivor eight. Uh, that could we say uh, uh, Boston Rob? Maybe Boston Rob. Maybe Russell Hands. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if you're talking about caricatures of an eight, right? Yeah. Again, you know these people in real life. I don't. But based off of what I see on TV, there could only be one. There was no way Boston Rob and Russell were going to be able to last on that tribe. There was never going to be an alliance to the end on the the village tribe with those two people, right? Yeah. And, and it came to a head a lot earlier than it probably should have, but it mm-hmm. had to happen. Yeah. Um, and Russell does a good job on Survivor. This both his seasons, you know, kind of pushing other people in the front. Uh, you know, he did that with Mick Trimming. <laughs> mm-hmm. He did that, and, or like Jason, he's like hiding behind that person and letting them take the bullets. And then he became the guy who was in control of the alliance, you know. And Boston Rob realized after his first season, and, and Boston Rob is kind of a straight shooter too. He says what's what's said. I yeah. think he's a lot, he's probably more concerned with being liked than Russell. Um you know, oh, speaking of eights, having someone meet them where they are. Um, think about Russell when uh, Sandra threw his hat into the fire, right? Russell's like, I like that. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> he like, that, that, that got him going. He wasn't like, how dare you throw my hat to the fire, you horrible woman. He was like, no, do more of that. Give me that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, or when Jason and Ben are fighting, Russell's just sitting there licking his chops again. Like, mm, yeah, He's just, it's something about that energy that yeah. just gets them going. Uh, like Wario. Richard Hatch, I think, is probably another one. Probably, I've never heard him mince words, and mm-hmm. I didn't think he was too too uh, interested in being uh, well liked either. I think uh, he realized, you know, he saw the game for what it was, and he made some calculated choices, and then he led his alliance, and they let him. You mm-hmm. know, Rudy might even be an eight. You know, he's kind of outspoken. Yeah. You know, his own way. Yeah. yeah, or maybe he's just old. Yeah, he. That, that, yeah, that don't don't use like uh, he's just got like uh, you know old man. I don't give yeah. an f. Uh, with, yeah, yeah, that's different. That's different. But mm-hmm. Richard Hatch probably right. Richard Hatch is definitely the person sitting there and like, which I want to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about something provocative. You mm-hmm. know. So yeah, I could take. I could get that. I can get with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you good there? I'm good. No, I'm not an eight. Or, no, I didn't think you were an eight, Rob. I don't have big eight um, energy. No. Yeah, I didn't think you were an eight. Um, Cross that one off. Yeah, we can cross that one off. Okay. So now let's talk about the nines. Nines are on your chart should be called the peacemaker. Peacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So peacemakers, um, again, they're like, like eights. They have, uh, they have access to anger. It's there. But nines, their goal is to not be affected by anything. They don't want to be affected by anger. It's right there, but they don't want to be affected. So they have decided that I'm going to go with the flow. Yeah. I'm going to keep peace. I'm going to try to keep my 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 like homeostasis with the world, right? I got to keep the anger down. I got to keep the happiness away. Like I got to keep all of these things in moderation. Keep the happiness away. That's too much of everything. Too much of anything is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know? Too much exuberance, you know, it's too much. That for nines, they want to keep everything level. They 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 kind of want normalcy. They want to a lot of times they don't want to do anything. Nines are the type of person who's always doing stuff, but never doing anything at the same time. Mm-hmm. So like, whereas three has a task list 
of things that they have to get accomplished. Nines are kind of like, I have this list of things that I need to do and I just don't know where to start. So I'm just going to pick one. Um, I once heard some lady say, and I don't want to say some lady, I think it was Suzanne Stabile. She's a writer of the Enneagram book and I'll mm-hmm. give her credit at the end of this as well. Um, that nines will lay out all the index cards with the list of the things that they need to do on the table. Mm-hmm. And they won't know which one is the most important. They just pick right out the middle, you know, whereas most people can prioritize those things for nines. It's really hard. Um, inertia is something they struggle with momentum. They kind of like, if there's, they, they will stay in, in the same place until they have to. And then when they move, they will move. And then they go back to trying to remain still They're They're not, um, they're not doers, even though like we're all, we all have things to do before nine. They'd rather just not, not be affected by stuff, honestly, uh, which is why they call it the peacekeeper. Cause while there's so much conflict and so much things going on, a nine would just rather be in their own space and not have to deal with any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, not have to deal with the conflict, not have to deal with, uh, the tasks, not have to deal with achieving. They just want things to kind of be easygoing. Uh, nines, there are a ton of nines. So there's more sixes than anything, but there's a ton of nines because life is, life is hard. And nines are like, if I kind of just go with the flow, life will be easy. Um, they want harmony in their relationships. Um, they, they try not to make waves. They dislike con- conflict and personal tension. And um, they, they often don't, they often surrender their real feelings and what they want for like the greater good to, to not make waves, right? The nines type person, you say, hey, what do you want to eat today? And they're like, I don't care. Like, you don't have an mm-hmm. opinion at all? No, not really. Well, why? I don't know. Just whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And they might not even like it, but they just don't feel like having a conversation or they don't mm-hmm. want the conflict or they don't want to argue about it, you know? So they're like, it's fine. You know, that's a nine in general. Um, nines are good like wingmen because if you can convince a nine to go someplace with you, they'll go and they will like, they, they, they're a good time. You know, they're also, um, they're good. Um, well, I guess I should say they're stubborn because like I said, they don't want to do anything. They got stuff to do and they're doing it, but they don't really want to. So when a nine digs their heels in and say, I'm not doing this, there's no way to get a nine to do it. Um, and it doesn't happen often, but when it happens, you're like, oh gosh, you know, where did that come from? Cause you're so used to them going to going with the flow. They're not self starters. They kind of need something to kind of get their engine going. Um, they tend to procrastinate, they procrastinate a lot cause they got, they just don't want to do it. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to, that's a nine. It's kind of like mantra. Like I don't really want to do this. Um, and then they get it done. And like I said, and we love them for it, right? We love a nine because we love somebody who can see all sides of the argument, right? We love to be able to come to this person and talk to them because we know they're going to listen. And they might not be listening, but they'll hear you out. Uh, And nines can listen to, like I said, they can hear all sides of the argument, which is kind of frustrating, actually, because if you're talking to a nine and you really want them to go there with you, they will go there with you. And you will believe that this nine believes everything you're saying. And then they'll go hear the opposing argument for somebody else and they'll, they'll go there with them too. And they're like, yeah, this, this, this guy's great. This guy, he understands me. Mm-hmm. But if you find out that, that he's agreeing with your enemy, you might not like that too much. So yeah, so that's nines. They're agreeable. They're stable. They're trusting. Um, steadfast, I guess you could say. They just kind of be a stubborn and they uh, lack some inertia. Hmm. So the part about procrastinating and not wanting to do the thing, like I feel like, uh, oh, like, mm-hmm. ooh, uh, that sounds that sounds familiar. But mm-hmm. like, I also feel like the, but then uh, I feel like I can prioritize like the things that need to get done. Like, I don't think I would struggle with like uh, put the index cards where they need to be. I feel like I could do yeah. that. So, yeah. uh, and I feel like uh, like I feel like a lot of times I I have to be a self starter, uh, even though I don't yeah. always want to. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know. This but do you not here, always want to? Uh, it depends like, on the that's day. The thing. You you have to self start, right? You have to. We all do. Yeah. But for you, is it is it tough to do that? Um, for nines, it's particularly tough uh, to just get to do the to do the things, right? The things we know they got to do. For nines, I like to ask the questions like, "Will you do almost anything to avoid conflict?" Rob. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and you said depends with who, it depends with who. Yeah. Who are you trying to have conflict with, Rob? No, who am I trying to avoid conflict with? Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you have conflict with people? I mean, I'm married. I mean, do you have conflict with people outside of your marriage? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> occasionally, yeah. Occasionally, but you don't love it. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, eights love it. <laughs> hey, I'm not an eight. Yeah, um, we never ruled that. Yeah, out. yeah. Um, do you ever get lost doing trivial things, like why you have like really important stuff to do, but you're just like doing stuff that has nothing to do with you know. With what you have going on, sometimes that can happen. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Are you generally happy to go along with other what other people have going on, like as opposed to like creating like the, the agenda for the group? Mm, depends. Like if you were, like if you and I were trying to decide what we we're going to do today, are you generally okay with me just kind of taking the reins on that, or do you have like a plan? Uh, I don't know if I have a plan, but I definitely would have like a whole list of things I don't want to do. Oh yeah, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. nine ish. You know. Yeah. Um, do people often want you to be more decisive? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. I, mm-hmm. I, sometimes you ask me things, Rob, and I'm like, just you tell me to do it and I'll fi- I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Just pick. Yeah. I think you asked me about StreamYard and I was like, Rob, this is your, this is your wheelhouse. If you tell me to do it, I got you. Yeah. You know, um, let's see. Um, do you often choose the path of least resistance? Um, I will say that, uh, yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do others see you as more peaceful than you really are? Hmm. Probably. Okay. I mean, yeah. Rob, we're getting a lot of yeses here. This is a, these are nine questions, hmm. you know? Uh-huh. Um, you have a hard time getting started, but once you do, you're really able to get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, I think so. Momentum is a big thing. I feel like it was easier uh, before I had kids and also easier before my kids uh, didn't go to school all day. Yeah. Are you ever just quietly stubborn about certain things? Like you don't really want to do it. You you don't want it to happen. You're just not going to participate, but you're just kind of pushing back about it in your own mind. You're not going to actually say, I don't want to do this, but you're just going to kind of like sulk a little bit. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot of times. That's Chappelle. a big nine thing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Cause it's hard to, to, to dig your feet in against, um, <laughs> against, uh, conflict and also not start conflict. Right. So for one of my closest friends is a nine and I swear I, it's like he never tells me no. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. And he's like, okay, fine. And then every now and then I'll look at him and be like, are you okay? And he's like, I don't want to do this. And like, fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's getting him to say the thing, right? Because he's just easier, just like, you know what? It's fine. This what's the worst that can happen here? We're good here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, nines often don't think they're very important mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of life. Life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a three knows that they're important because that's what they're going for, right? I need to be important to you. Mm-hmm. Twos want to be somebody who you know that you can count on. Now that I'm like, do you really even care about me? Do I have any friends? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it sounds like we're, we're in a good territory here, uh, Rob. Yeah. Is this what, yeah. where you had me? Is this what, what you thought? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. See, the, you knew the expert. You knew. I, I, I'm just asking you questions. You could easily tell me the answer to these questions are no, and you could be something else, Rob. I'm mm-hmm. just asking you questions. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You find routines at, at work and home, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. 
And uh, you feel unsettled when something throws you off, off your routine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. This is not an energy. Yeah. I feel like and this is like one not, of the, one of the lame the ones, though, Chappelle. I love a good nine. Yeah. Because, again, could you imagine not having to be, like, being able to not be, you know, the person who people are looking at, like, like, as, like an eight almost. Like, you know, not with conflict. Or if I'm, I'm sitting here telling you you're not authentic, like a three, or you're overbearing, like a two, or you're anxious, like a six, or you're, you know, unreliable and flighty, mm-hmm. like a seven, you know, and I'm telling you, you're agreeable and people generally like you and they, people feel like they can talk to you mm-hmm. and people feel like they can open up to you and you, you see both sides of the argument and, you know, um, things of that nature. And that sounds boring to you. It's a little boring. Yeah. Not as super yeah. flashy. Yeah. Yeah, if I said the the sevens greatest sin is like uh, gluttony, right? They want all yeah, of it. Yeah, and then eights is kind of like a lust, almost like for energy. Uh, for nines, yeah, it'd probably be sloth. You know, mm-hmm. just this ability to just kind of move slowly and not be affected. Mm-hmm. You know, and and move at your own speed and pace. And this is another reason why I wouldn't compare this to Survivor because again, you got a very glowing edit and Survivor about someone who who was really in charge of what was going not on. Survivor All Stars, uh, not at all, actually. And so if we were just going off as Survivor All-Stars, then maybe somebody would think you were nine. Look mm-hmm. at you just sitting around waiting to get picked off. But you see why that's not a great example, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't know what motivates you. We don't know what makes you move the way you move. Mm-hmm. But because a lot of the listeners, patrons, including myself, will know you from all the things you let us into your life. So it's easy for me to say, Rob's probably a nine because mm-hmm. I don't have to hear about you saying, you know, harsh things on accident or you know i don't you're not you know throwing your achievements in our faces and you're not you know flighty and bouncing off them from thing to thing to thing you know it's kind of you're stable Mm -hmm. and i think people can identify that in nines and they gravitate toward them because of it yeah okay yeah yeah i'm gonna be here every day yeah Uh, you you, we hope so we can only hope (laughs) um okay what about famous nines so let me hear about some famous nines maybe that might make me feel better Queen Elizabeth II. Look yes, at you. In okay. good company. Yes. In good company. Bob Crowley could be a non-Rob. I'm just saying. Okay. No, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not saying he is, but you know, whatever. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, there's a lot of nines. Oh, get this. Whoopi Goldberg is a nine. Oh, all And right. we love Whoopi. We stand right? Whoopi. Yeah. She yeah, won me $20 this week. Yeah. Exactly. She tweeted. Um, I pay attention. Uh, think about Whoopi. Whoopi is on the view panel where they have all of these intense conversations and she has been the moderator she's for the like captain. 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because she's able to keep the, the peace or at least be able to keep the show moving. Mm-hmm. She's in the middle of all of these extreme opinions and Whoopi can talk about them all. Yeah. That's, that's a nine. That's what you guys are good for. Yeah. Like, I, like, <laughs> yeah, like uh, you could hear something that, well, I don't agree with that, but I'm not going to lose my mind. Yeah. Like, like, let's talk about it. Why do you think that? Exactly. Uh, Janet Jackson is a nine. Kevin Costner, I'll Annette say. Benning, yeah, not saying. Um, <laughs> George W. Bush. Uh, oh, just, unlike w. George H. W. Bush. Yeah, he raised the six. Who knew? <laughs> um, John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, let's look at some other ones. John Goodman, Matthew uh, Broderick, Toby Maguire, Zoe Deschanel, Zooey, as some would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I Lisa didn't Kudrow. think of George W. Bush as a peacemaker. Some would say, you know, this is a job <laughs> requirement, probably. You know, yeah. you got some job demands that make you a little active too. You got mm-hmm. a task list. Yeah. Some some tasks you can't look. 
I already told you how I feel about Joe Biden. I pray mm-hmm. for the guy. He's not mm-hmm. gonna if he's not having a good time, we might look this second term might be interesting. We'll just see. Um, but yeah, so there like I said, we can do whatever. We can, can you have any more famous I, I interrupted you. Any more famous nines? Oh yeah. Uh we got uh Tony Bennett, Ringo Starr, Carlos Santana. Oh, the worst Beatle. He technically, yeah. yeah. Um Jack Johnson, George Lucas. You like George Lucas? This is okay. Right? Like his early yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Audrey Hepburn, uh, Sophia Loren, uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel a little better now. You should. You should. He Mm -hmm. played God one time. Mm -hmm. Okay. There you go. All right. So you want to, do you want to move on to the last number or do you want to, and then double back about some like growth areas for nine? Are you good? Just, no, uh, let's cut that. I have more questions for you, but let's do, let's talk about the final one. That's, and, and why do you start with two and not with, and not with one? Why they, so why they make the Enneagrams this way? Oh, uh, listen, this is an ancient, and that's another thing. The Enneagram goes back way back before Myers it and Briggs were both alive. Yeah. This is an ancient art, right? Talk Who to made this? Guy. this? Uh, some ancient like uh Brazilians or something like that passed it down, oh. and that's another reason why I don't call myself an expert because there are people who have done the research, and I am not one of them. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to know more about the Enneagram, this is going. I'm going to plug these people who these nice people who I listen to, uh, and read. Uh, Ian Morgan Cron and Su- Suzanne Stabile do a great work. Uh, there's a uh a good book called The Road Back to You. Uh, studying the Enneagram. There's also uh, several other uh, authors, Rizzo and Hudson, who have done this research. And so they will tell you more about the Enneagram, more than I could ever tell you. Um, I'm just here to kind of help Rob find out that he was a nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think uh, traditional like knowledge says that like this is like ancient wisdom passed down from like Bolivia in Argentina, I think, not, not Brazil. No. And then like it has like moved around and became like a school of thought all throughout the six, like up until like the 1960s. So it came from like ancient times and it has just evolved and evolved and evolved and more research has been done and da, 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 da. So it got to like the sixties and seventies and then it just kind of got to the United States. And then recently it's become like this very popular um, pseudoscience, some would call it. Um, and so that's how we ended up where we are. Okay. All right. All right. One. All right. We'll talk about one. Um, ones. Tell me what uh, the chart that you have calls ones. Reformer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. Snow. Nobody knows. Yeah, we yes. Know snow. yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Reformer. All right. Some people call one the reformer, which is a better name for what I'm about to call them. Oh. I'm going to call them the perfectionist. Perfectionist. And just because, yeah, just because I want you to know that I don't mean perfectionist, I'm just using it as a broad term. But reformer is the actual term for what we're going to be talking about right now, because everybody thinks they're a perfectionist because they want to do things well, right? Like I'm a perfectionist. I really like to think, have things a certain way. Yep, fine. But ones, they really embody perfection, like as far as like being a perfectionist. Um, they're called reformers because they're able to walk into a room and see what needs to be improved. And whereas eights want to challenge things and nines don't want to like be affected, ones want to affect stuff. They do but they want to fix it. They want to identify what's wrong and make it better. Uh, and so they live their life like that where they, they, and they, they start inside, they start with themselves. Right. So they can see what they're doing wrong. Um, and it tears them apart. Ones have a voice in their head. And I'm going to say this because every time I listen to anybody talk about the Enneagram or read about the Enneagram, I'm going to say this because this will speak to the ones and only the ones 
ones have a voice in their head that's constantly saying, is that right? Mm-hmm. And they hear this little voice and it says, you made it to bed. Did you, did you make it to bed correctly? You know, did, did, did you unload the dishwasher? Did you load it correctly? Did you do this? What if I, what, did you do this right? It's right or wrong, black and white, completely wrong or right. That's what they have in their head. And they are questioning themselves and their morality and, you know, their, their ability to, to, to do things correctly all day. And so because they're questioning themselves and their own abilities, they start to question the things around them, right? Um, because they're always thinking, I can fix that. I can fix that. I can fix that. So the problem with somebody like that is that once that starts to like, affect the people around them, it's not great, right? Nobody likes to be told that you're not good enough. You're not doing that correctly. I could do that better. You could be doing this. You could be doing that. Nobody likes that. And look no further than the ones that tell you, yeah, it sucks because they're saying it to themselves all the time. So ones are uh, principled and they are purposeful and they are self-controlled and they are looking for perfection. And so they are the person who they want to be morally correct, you know, um, and whatever that means in their life. So I'm not saying that this person is benevolent because no, no one is right. This, this person is not above and beyond all the rest of the people, but their system of beliefs is something that they cling to and they need to be right about it. And if they're not right about it, they're going to try to figure out a way to be right. They have to be right. So threes have to achieve. They have to be looked at as good, like as like admirable. Ones have to be good and whatever that means in their head. So that they don't, they don't really do the gray area. There's no gray area. Is it right or it's wrong? They're the type of person that if we, let's go back to the bookshelf analogy, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, or I guess it was a metaphor, but yeah, we talked about the bookshelf, uh, the, Fives are going to research it to death and maybe one day get the bookshelf done. Once it's done, it'll probably be great because they've done all the research, right? Eights are going to go and do the bookshelf. They're going to just put it together because it's a bookshelf and they're just supposed to, you told, I'm, I need to get it done. It's done. Um, threes are going to build the bookshelf because they need to accomplish it. Knock it off their list of things to do. You ask me for a bookshelf. Here's your bookshelf. Ones are going to read the manual and they are going to see that there is a piece missing. A mm-hmm. tiny little, a tiny little washer is missing from the, from the, uh, from the, uh, tools, you know, that you need to put the bookshelf together and they are going to call the 1-800 number and say, you guys owe me a washer. And they are got to be the only type of people who do that because anybody else is like, eh, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But for, for, for a one, they will look at that bookshelf and say, that thing is wrong. It is wrong. And they, it will drive them crazy, like a little nagging sound every time they walk in the room, like, look at me, you did this incorrectly. So they're the only type of people that I think, and I've heard Suzanne Stabile say this and I trust her, that will will we'll call the 800 number and say, I need that piece or mm-hmm. I can't put this together because mm-hmm. it's incorrect. So that's, that's how ones operate. They're um, ethical. They have a strong sense of right and wrong. Um, and they're crusaders for, for what's right. And they want to fix and make the world a better place. Uh, the problem with that is that, you know, it's, everything's not theirs to fix. And perfection is impossible. Nobody is perfect. But they are striving for perfection and it will drive them crazy a lot of times. It is one of those things that like, if you're constantly questioning yourself like that, how do you get through the day? That sounds exhausting to me, honestly, um, to, to have somebody just nagging you all the time mm-hmm. in your head and then to have someone else correct you. Could you imagine having something in your head saying, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. And you getting past that. And then the first person you run into says, hey, you got something on you. You'd like explode, like, excuse me. Like I've been trying to get perfect all day. And now here you are, random person with your untied shoes and your unkempt hair. Like, how dare you? You know, the, the amount of anger in eights, nines and ones are incredible. 
because like I said, nines are not addressing this anger. So it's just building up and eights are, they're just using it. They're wielding it like a sword, but ones are angry because look at what, look at the world. It could be better. And I, it seems like I'm the only one who cares. And so that's a one. Um, like I said, I like perfectionists because it triggers something in people's heads where they hear that and say, Oh, okay, I'm that. But then reformers a lot better because you can be a perfectionist in your own life. But if you're a reformer, you want everything to be perfect. Not just you. You have any famous ones? Uh, this thing says Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Probably a good one. Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, Meryl Streep is a one. Um, let's see. Ralph Nader. That's okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're getting somewhere. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Obama. Uh, let's see. Pope John Paul II, my mm-hmm. favorite pope, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's this see. This new Helen one Hunt. is uh, being a, a wild man. Yeah, I like I like that guy too. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Tina Fey, uh, Catherine Hepburn, uh, William F. Buckley, George Harrison. Uh, Better yeah, Beetle. you got yeah. Martha Martha Stewart. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So, so and Martha Stewart's a good example of you know ones are not always right, mm-hmm. but yeah. they like they strive they strive for it. Get in trouble, you know? right? Yeah, right. they get in trouble too. Um, is there a survivor that's that's out that's out there? Probably some. Uh, let's talk this one out, right? So you got we want somebody who's rule oriented, who cares about the rules. These mm-hmm. things have to be a certain way, or you know, yeah. or else. Um, Chappelle, can so, we go back just for one second? Because we didn't talk about a survivor. Uh, we talked about me with the nine, but we didn't talk about yeah. uh, you know how that applies to survivor. But you know, in, in terms of like, I, I actually feel like that the nine is a really good skill set for survivor because it's like you know how how do you do well on survivor? Yeah, you could sort of like lead from the front and say like, hey, everybody, this is what we're doing. This is my group. This is the five. Okay, we're voting out all those other people. You know, that's mm-hmm. sort of like the eight mentality. But I do feel like that the 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 peacemaker uh is like hey let's play the middle well i'm gonna work with yeah. everybody like uh yeah. what do you you know well uh, like okay let's hear what you have to say let's hear what you have to say let's hear what you have to say like i actually think it's a very effective way of uh playing the survivor game and i think that that is like the what i would default to in a game of survivor of okay there's eight people here let me try to see like just how many of these eight i could get like feel like they're working with me yeah and i mean Way to be self-congratulatory, Rob. But yeah, I think that is true. That is a a, a good strategy. I think once we get into the chart a little bit more, because mm-hmm. we're almost done, but I do want to explain the chart to you. Yeah. Um. We'll we'll I'll, I'll talk about how that manifests itself in other ways. But I, I guess the problem with being a nine and survivor is if you can't find that inertia, right, and you end up just a number, and you yeah. end up just getting picked off because you're not willing to make the move, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to start the conflict. You don't want to call the person out. You see that they might have an idol, but you just yeah. kind of sit on that information. Sort of like Laurel you know? probably is also like in that sort of uh, situation where she's and uh, ends up like, okay, well, okay, I'm, I'm good with all the with all these different people, but then ultimately, you know, uh, if you're conflict avoidant and unable to pull that trigger at the right time, mm-hmm. that could lead to a bad situation. Yeah, very go with the flow. Um, and and like I said, they will. They have conflict. We all do. Like you said, you're you, with certain people. You you are going to go there. And nines are very close to eight on the enneagram on that on that chart. And so there's some eight in them. You know, once you get them active, you know they will go there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it yeah, matters what your think, next what your next two is important. 
The proximity, yeah. yeah. So, so it's a reason why the chart's drawn like that. But yeah, like I said, fives will have four traits and six traits. Sixes will have seven traits and, and you know, and five, you know, whatever, and eight traits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, so on and so forth. So yeah, if you find yourself in Survivor and you're a nine, then yeah, sitting back and kind of letting the, the, the bigger powers kind of pick themselves off is fine until you look up and you're next. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, now what? And you have to now all of a sudden not be a nine. And I think for you, Rob, you were such a big fan of the show and you had a good idea of what you wanted to do. But you also, as a nine, are somebody who's very agreeable. So you were able to connect with like Dina or you were connect with Christy. These people who other people were just not willing to talk to. And I'm not talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I mean, Rob, who you, cares? you will yeah. talk to anybody. You're talking yeah. to me. So yeah. I know you'll talk to anybody. And so, yeah, I think for that skill set, yeah, that kind of works out. The issue is that at the, if the nine gets to the end, do we respect it, right? Do mm-hmm. we vote for the nine who just kind of hung out and was friends with everybody? Um, you know, uh, or do we say, well, the nine is sitting next to this person, the Boston Rob or something, and he took control, you know? Mm-hmm. So, something to think about. Okay, well, let's go back to the one, the, the reformer. Yeah. Okay. Can, yeah. you, can you see anybody in terms of how a one plays Survivor? Uh... Who need to make things better? I can't think of anybody. I, I guess we should probably talk about like I guess final, final tribal council, right? Mm-hmm. The person who's really like like you were, did something immoral, and I cannot vote for you. Maybe like boo, mm-hmm. you know. We talked about that with uh with dreams. You just talked about that with dreams, and boo was really like as a Christian man, how dare you? You know, like. Mm-hmm. I think that is a very nine thing to say. Now, my, maybe people are just portraying themselves Whoa, as a, you a, know a one. Oh, one. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe people are just portraying themselves as holier than thou in those moments. Um, a little bit, you know, a little uh, looking down their noses at somebody who was able to deceive better than they were. Mm-hmm. But there are some people who just aren't willing to be that person. They're just not willing to deceive. I will go down with the ship and I'm just not going to be seen as, you know, immoral. Uh, maybe like Janet. Is that her name? From, from recent season? Okay. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, she in in the face of, you know, some accusations that were made against Kelly, uh, you know, against other um, uh, castmates and you know some things that were said and she could have just gone with the flow and you know ignored certain things about I think his name was Dan I'm really trying this mm-hmm. is such a bad season <laughs> mm-hmm. to. Um, but she spoke up yeah and she was dutiful and people and it, she, it paid off for her in the end we love her right I can't think of her name but we love her mm-hmm. uh, but um, it, it you know baby being quiet in that moment would have paid off a little bit better but it probably would have driven her crazy you know, to do that. If she's a one, that's the kind of thing that you just can't let go. It's going to, it's going to eat at you because in your head, someone's saying you're, you're a bad person for letting this bad thing happen. Okay. All right. So now we have the picture of like all the people and and I have to commend you. Uh, Incredible job. Thank you. Oh, before we go on, I got a better one. I think of my head, not a survivor one, but for any of the listeners, I'm a Harry Potter person. Think of Hermione Granger. Mm -hmm. Rob, I don't know. You know very little about Harry Potter, but Harry has a friend named Hermione. She's very smart. Uh, intelligent like she's she's the smartest person in their class she is she makes spells yeah she makes spells she's a witch you know we get it hermione has a a famous harry potter quote where she basically says like listen you can you guys keep acting like this we're you're gonna get us killed or worse you're gonna get us expelled Mm -hmm. that is the most one thing ever like no 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 we can't break the rules because what if we get what if this somebody finds out we could get in trouble for being wrong you know mm-hmm. that's like the one of it all you know she's a good a good solid one um i think uh, there are some gilmore girl fans out there um 
uh, not Rory, but her homegirl, mm-hmm. the one she's always in, 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 in a battle with. Her name will escape me and it'll come to me in five minutes. So I'll come back to it. Does she is definitely a one where it's not even about, um, it's not about achieving. It's about doing th- what you think is right all the time. Okay. Yeah. Chappelle. Yes. Have we talked about you? Oh, uh, yes. We talked about me. Rob, would you like to guess? Oh, boy. Well, this is, uh, this is a challenge because I feel like that I don't have it off the, the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that you're, that you're a two. Mm-hmm. Oh, wh- why? What's uh, that about? Um, I, I, I don't think that you are somebody who's just uh, helpful? constantly helpful, really? but, ask, really? but, but like looking for something in return. Uh, I don't, that, <laughs> Baby, Rob, I didn't know we were here. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Do you, but, okay. Are you a two? No, but okay. still, I'd like people to think I was a two. You think you're a two. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that you are the three. Really? Let's not, are we going to do this with every single number? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. do you want to just tell me, why don't you just tell me no, what number you are? Just guess, um, Rob. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going through okay. them and I'm trying to fill okay. the air so it's not like, yeah. uh, just like, uh, me thinking on the podcast. Uh, I don't think you're the four. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't think that you were the five. There's researching, uh, constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of being, uh, the Six. Um, I don't think that that is uh, you either. Being like the uh, the the Stephen Fishback. Uh, so I guess that okay. So how about this? Uh, I'm wondering, could you be could you be a seven? Ring the bell. I am a seven. Yeah, like Colton. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, based on Colton, that I probably would have made him an eight. Right? He was just kind of saying what was on his mind and. You know, whatever. But mm-hmm. I was shocked to hear that he was seven. But that just shows you how different people really are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still motivated by the same core, you know, need to kind of find the exuberance. The in enthusiast. Life. The enthusiast. I, I am, if nothing else, enthusiastic. Yeah. I'm very one note. I get that. Yeah. I get you that. You get that. Yeah. And like I said, seven's a jacks of all trades. You could probably drop me into any podcast and I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just because I've. I listen to everything. I want. I want to get the happiness from everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I started this uh, podcast when when saying that like I had ran into some issues in in school, and then I was having a breakdown, uh, and then I found out about the enneagram and just blah blah blah. So what was happening was I really wanted to get straight A's. Straight A's is not my thing, but this particular semester I had convinced myself that I had to get straight A's, and so I was losing it. Because don't get me wrong, I got nothing but A's. I was very much patting myself on my own back. Like I was, I was cooking. The problem is it didn't look like I was going to get an A in this class. And I am not a straight A student. That is not my bag. But for some reason, I convinced myself that this is what I need. And so um, I was telling my coworkers, like, I'm about to go uh, to Houston and I'm going to go party. I was talking about I'm going to drive. Because I, I was not living in Houston at the time. I was living outside of Houston, so a few hours. And I was like, I'm going to drive out there Friday. I'm going to party. And I'm going to come back Monday. And I'm going to do this school thing. And everything's going to be fine. Screw this. And they were like, why do you have to go do that? Like, why don't you just stay here and think about it and, you know, study and you'll be fine. I was like, no, I have to get out of here. And at that moment, I felt so trapped 
because people were telling me like, don't do that. Don't do it. You can't do that. And I was like, I'm going to go party all weekend and there's nothing you guys can tell me to, to, <laughs> to stop me. And so I get in the car and, and this is after they tell, so they tell me about the Enneagram podcast. And honestly, I was a little, I was very, I felt very attacked because I was hearing that like I'm unreliable and I'm flighty and uh, you know, uh, I don't, like connect with emotion and I don't have real human connection with people because I'm always trying to keep everything, you know, above the surface, you know, kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how dare you? And so I'm driving to Houston because I'm still going. I don't care what kind of what pseudoscience y'all have taught me. I'm still going. But I listened to Enneagram podcast the whole way there. And it started to talk about how your Enneagram number, you start to exhibit traits of other numbers, unhealthy traits of other numbers when you get stressed out. And so that, or, or when you are starting to feel like, you know, in growth, you know, or like you're becoming the better you, you start to exhibit other numbers. You're still, you're still your number, but you start to take on the good or bad traits from those other numbers. Right. And so for sevens, if you look at the chart and this is a good segue into the chart, sevens, that arrow in stress is pointed to one. Right. Okay. And, and in stress, I become perfectionistic and, um, rigid. And uh, I, I care about things being a certain way or else, right? A little judgy. I mm-hmm. get judgy a lot. Um, yeah, and that's exactly how I felt. Why did I want straight A's? I couldn't put a finger on it. I just I had no clue why this was bothering me. I hadn't gone my whole life without straight A's. I was on degree number two. And I was like, why now? And, and I was just like, why are you acting like this? And I was like, you're just stressed out. You need to come back remember things that make you happy. Remember things that make you, you, this is not your happiness is not going to depend on you getting straight A's. And I was able to come out of that. And then that's when I was like, Oh man, this is good. This is good. Cause whenever I start acting like that, I can now identify that as some harmful behavior, right? Where I get super rigid and judgy and kind of, you know, uh, the harmful parts of one. Uh, and so at my best, according to your chart, um, seven start to look like fives. And we become less scattered and more focused on researching and knowing, you know, the right, you know, knowing what's, you know, filling our head with knowledge as opposed to filling our head with experiences in life. And so for me, that fiveness comes out in my, you know, deep wells of knowledge for these random things mm-hmm. that I like, right? Yes. Like where I can just sit down and just dive into, like, tell you anything about your podcast from episodes that I haven't seen in 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Or anything, you know, from about television shows. This is why I'm a good seven is because of the five, right? The, the connection to five. And so that's how the chart works. Um, so not only do I have traits yeah. from six, I'm in the middle of six and eight, so I can be abrasive. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, and I can say things. It's not my default, but it's right there. It's right yeah. there. So that's why you get a lot of, whoa, why did Chappelle say that moment? But I also worry, you know, I have fears like a six. Uh, I get anxious sometimes. I start to question things. I'm not always so sure of myself, but at my best, I start to look like a five okay. and start to get those behaviors within my sevenness. And at my worst, I start to exhibit oneness. Chappelle, uh, this is pretty amazing uh, because uh, this is, uh, I, I think that really um, my mind is blown on, in terms of this because I'm looking, I'm looking at the chart and I'm wondering like, what are the lines? What are the, li- what are the lines mean with the connection? Because it's like, the, like the, the gif of like, it's always sunny with like the, the conspiracy theory and all the lines connected mm-hmm. to uh, one another. But so that there's basically like uh two so if you're if you're stressed 
you're you you can determine you're going you're going one way. I'm exhibiting these negative traits I don't like, but if I'm not, mm-hmm. if I'm in the right mindset, I'm going towards these positive traits and I see that mm-hmm. there's like arrows that point the right way. But how do you know that I see the lines, but how do you know which arrow points to which number? How do you know like is it always the the number to the left is negative? No, I think depending on the chart you're looking at. So most charts have arrows. Some of them have lines. Um, try to ch- choose a different chart if you're on Google. Yeah. Um, there's a tr- there's a literally there's arrows. Um, okay. But for you, you are a nine. Yeah. So um, nines are easy because nines, threes, and sixes they're three apart, right? And they are in the uh, they're they're like the core triad of like numbers, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of move freely between each each um each, uh, I guess, core motivation, right? So nines are one step away from feelers and they're one step away from thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with threes. One step away from feel. You know, all the numbers don't go into all the triads. Um, as a seven, I never touched the feeling triad at all. Mm-hmm. I don't, the two the ness that I was so offended about, I don't have it in me. I mean, it's there, but it's because uh, we're all whole people, but I don't go there at stress. Mm-hmm. I don't go there at, you know, at dis- at, at growth. I don't go there. I'm not next to a two. I'm not next to a three. I'm not next to a four. I'm just kind of a, a thinker and a doer. Mm-hmm. Um, nines have all the things. It's just that you default to, to you know, to nineness. And so for nines in, in growth, you look like a three. And Rob, let's talk about you in growth. Mm-hmm. You're someone who doesn't like to do. Rob, they just named a podcast award about, uh, about you. Mm-hmm. You're one of the most famous uh, survivor players of all time, and you are heavily lauded as one of the creators of this, you know, strategy of you know picking up the bottom feeders and all this other stuff. People well, love you. But what about um, my eyes, you, Chappelle? I told you, yeah. gorgeous. Yes, it's gorgeous. Okay. Anyway, you're just trying to distract me. I'm trying to teach you here, sir. Yes. Um. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. So when a nine finally gets that that inertia, when they get going, they can do things. Look at this empire you built. So. This. What what I'm hearing, which I think mm-hmm. is so exciting to me, is that wow! If I could if I could get into this zone, I can mm-hmm. do, uh, I can achieve great things. Uh, but mm-hmm. if I can somehow stay out of the stay out of the the bad, the six, which is mm-hmm. uh, you know the upside down, when I'm troubleshooting everything and being all ne- neurotic like Stephen. That uh, then I can uh, stay, get over to be the three. Yeah. So the thing is, you are a nine. You are always going to be a nine. But yeah. But when you're in three, you are doing the things. You're achieving, and you're you're well liked. And, and I you're, feel you know, that charismatic. sometimes. Yes. Yeah. You're like, look at me. Look at the things I did. And mm-hmm. it's exhausting for you because you're like, oh god, I want to go back to not doing things. Um, but when you get stressed out, yeah, you start to pick up those six behaviors. But that is still a part of you, right? So you can't avoid being stressed out and being anxious about things, but that's why you're good at what you do, right? That anxiety is like troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. If I've seen you stressed, Rob, uh, I want to say one of the know-it-alls, you were trying to put some stuff together. You weren't getting like the sound or whatever. It was a whole mostly. Yeah. That's like every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But at that moment you have to go and do the, the sixth thing, right? You have to troubleshoot and then you have to rise to the occasion and then boom, now you're at three and everybody's like fawning over this thing that mm-hmm. you did. And then boom, you go back to nine and you're home and you like turn it off, turn off everything and you go back to doing you, mm-hmm. the, the natural you, you know? So we can't avoid six. It's just part of you. Okay. And one is a part of you too, Rob. So you're, you, you are good at what you do and you like rules and you like having your set up, your set of like, you know, things that you do in your mm-hmm. routine. 
because that's why that's how you're able to I guess that's how you're able to keep from doing extra work, right? Like if you do it the right way, you don't have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I don't like to do because that's <laughs> what what number is next to mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got some Colton called them wings. The Enneagram calls it wings. So some people will try to get really like into like I'm a nine with a uh, with a one wing. I got a lot of one in me. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a nine with a lot of eight in me. In my experience, you kind of move between both of them. Mm-hmm. I'm a seven and I got a lot of eight in me and I'm probably default to a seven with eight. But the six is there and I can be that person. I am a very good troubleshooter. You know, I, I like to brainstorm. Sevens are good brainstormers. But if when I take the time to, to troubleshoot, I'm pretty good at it. So wings are there. But mm-hmm. I don't think you stay in your wing forever. It's one of those things that in parts of your life, you, you'll need that wing and you'll lean on those traits. But you will always be your number. So when I am sort of like able to realize like, okay, I am exhibiting uh, the uh, this behavior. Oh, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I stressed about that uh, I'm able to sort mm-hmm. of like correct the behavior or sort of like in, uh, tell learn something about myself because I am exhibiting uh, this of so like okay why am I why am I spending you know uh, like an hour trying to you know figure out you know uh, you know why is this faucet dripping uh, you know drop every uh, three minutes. Right, right. And is it really that important? Right. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you should really be spending your energy on? Um, nines like fives have a limited amount of energy, but they don't have like a, a, a battery of like, you know, 100 percent to go down to 10 and it's over. But nines definitely have a, a, a battery life of this is how much time I'm going to spend doing things. And then yeah. I'm not. And that's why um, and, I could see some of myself in some of these other numbers, Chappelle. Wow. That, this uh-huh. is a, this yeah. is a, you've blown my mind here today. When we got the six, you really perked up. And that's when I was like, he's definitely a nine. Because you could see those things and you weren't ready to embrace those because you're like, that's not all me. Yeah, Takashi six nine. Yeah, basically. Except not a snitch, hopefully. (laughs) Well, uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. Depends on the day. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and just for the listeners who are now, you know, who may may be following along, I do want to touch on what those other numbers kind of go to and stress and and an integration. I guess. Um, so By the way, RIP Chappelle's mentions. Like, well, oh, I'm I'm actually I've learned uh, I'm the uh, a four. Oh my god, yeah. So if you if you have a strong enneagram take about this, please just comment on it on Facebook. Jesus, do not <laughs> do not tweet me about this. I tweet too much, mm-hmm. and I like talking to people. I just told y'all this is my weakness. Leave me alone. Put it on Facebook, and I will comment. I you swear, don't, want, just don't blow up See, my I would think it's somebody who tweets so much. That you would want more to, more replies. As a seven, my strong my, my strength is that I I I am gluttonous and I live for life and and I like people and I like things that make me happy and tweeting makes me happy and talking to people makes me happy. But like that, that is my biggest strength is my biggest weakness. I cannot carry that much stuff. I can't talk to everybody about everything. So put it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I will comment whenever I get a yeah. chance. And That's you could just favor it. You that. just you could just tell yeah. Chappelle he doesn't need to comment on every single one. Right. But that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to mitigate that kind of stuff for me. So even like I say, sevens are so much fun. There is a time and a place for everything. Mm-hmm. Rob, when I finished my master's program, uh, I had my my friends told me that they were going to London. They were going to go to Harry Potter World in London. And they were leaving nine days from when they tapped that conversation with me. I booked my flight that Tuesday. Rob, I am poor. I don't have any money. I spent my money to go on that flight. Like, because I was so trapped in that master's program FOMO. that, yeah, and I couldn't take it anymore. Do you know how much stuff I missed trying to do homework? 
That's insane. Mm-hmm. So the moment I had a chance, I booked the flight. I spent all my money, went to Lindenland, had time of my life. But then I came back and I was poor. And Chris and Christmas was around the corner. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to do to buy gifts? And what am I going to do? And I don't get paid until the you know da 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 da. da. So for me. Being a seven, I have to mitigate that too. And so one of my ways of mitigating that is going to say, hey, if you hear about this and you tweet me, just say you liked it. But if you have any intense Enneagram questions, uh, please, please email Rob. No, no intense questions. <laughs> so that, that, uh, I, I love the mentions uh, that I love, you know, I, I love looking at my, at my repl- you know, it, it's because it's a great way to help me procrastinate when I'm stressed just yeah. to continue to just refresh Twitter nonstop, yeah. which I've been doing a lot of late. But you know, you know, I, I don't want to reply to a bunch of stuff. I just, right. just want to know what you, I just want to know what you think. I don't, I don't necessarily need to yeah. comment uh-huh. back. That's going to screw yeah. up my, my peacekeeping of having to comment on everything. I just want to know what you think. Right. And I'm physically unable to not talk to you guys. So mm-hmm. please just put it on Facebook. I'm sure somebody will post it in an off-topic group or something. And then comment there and no, I will happily come in whenever I have baby. On topic, baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about where these numbers move and then we'll wrap it up because I don't want to get into too much. Because honestly, if you have really intense questions for the Enneagram, there are tons of places you can listen or, yeah. or read about the Enneagram. Like I said, the Road Back to You podcast with Ian Morgan Cron. Uh, Suzanne Stabile has a podcast as well, Understanding Enneagram as well. There is a ton of them, uh, but I recommend Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile over anybody else. Um, and so let's talk about where these numbers move. So uh, what we, do you mean the numbers with- move? I'm sorry, where these arrows go, right? Okay. So where these where they go when they're like um in their centers and when they're when they're stressed, blah blah blah. So we know nine is in the anger triad and they go to three when they're when they're uh relaxed and they're integrating and then when they go to stress when they're I mean they go to six when they're stressed out. Ones start acting like fours when they are at growth, right? Moody. So they're uh or in touch say, with their emotions. Yeah. I would say in touch with their emotions, definitely authentic. And not so much worried about being right, but just worrying about being them. Um, and I think that's a lot, a lot better. But ones at their worst, they look like sevens. Remember, sevens at their best. Oh, I'm sorry. Ones at their, mm, I'm sorry. Ones at their best look like sevens. There it is. Um, because they start to loosen up, start thinking, stop thinking about the rules so much and start thinking about living life and having fun. Ones at their worst, they go to four and they become like, like you said, moody. But mm-hmm. definitely kind of like self-absorbed and start thinking about not less about being right and kind of like, why am I like this? Why? Like they start to feel like they're missing out on life um, because of the little voice in their head that's saying you're not doing this right. Um, twos are helpers when they're at rest, when they're normal in their no- everyday life. But when they are stressed out, they become eights and they start using their twoness for evil. You know, they're, they're normally like, you know, overbearing in a good way, but they become eights and they get combative and like controlling they want to control things instead of just help things you know mm-hmm. control um, things with their, with their giving right with their giving like hey i um, gave you, I, I i brought a casserole mm-hmm. to your house uh the other day Chappelle, and now you 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 owe me right why haven't you answered my phone call that mm-hmm. kind of thing um you know which i didn't ask you to bring a casserole to my house that doesn't make us tied at the hip and i don't have to be in love with you because of it but <laughs> for some but a stressed out eight might not i mean two might not see it that way um threes like nines, they're connected to nines and sixes. So threes will get um, less performing and more thinking and more in touch with, well, you know, the the consequences of their actions. What if this happens? What if that happens? As opposed to like throwing themselves into any of their tasks. Um, and then, of course, when they're, um, when they're stressed out, they become like nines. Have you ever been trying to do something so hard that you, like that you want, you just want this to happen so bad that you finally just have to step away from it? 
that's how that's how threes are when they get stressed out. Like if I can't do my way through this, I just have to like I'm done. I'm going to sleep, you know. And then they recharge and they come back from it. They they're less stressed out. Then they can tackle life. But they can't. You can't just you know will your way through life like a three wants to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, fours are romantics normally. Like I said, they're so in in engulfed in themselves internally. Um, but when they are uh, at health, they start looking like a one and they start um, using their uh, their powers for good as well. Um, but when they start, uh, when they're stressed out, they start looking like twos. Um, and so you, they just have to be aware that they're, they're starting to, you know, not be themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with fives. Fives will go to eight. So when fives have gathered enough knowledge, you know, like I said, they're hoarding knowledge. Now they can go out and do the things, right? Because mm-hmm. I got the power. Like, there's nothing worse than arguing with somebody who knows that they're right. Because even if you feel very strongly about something, oh gosh, a five who's done the research. Do your research. The, yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe Chester, Alexander Chester has a lot of charts. Maybe he's a five. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about his social battery or how he interacts <laughs> with people, but I know he got a lot of charts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he finally steps out, he he's like you know I I know the answer I'm in control. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing uh, with fives in stress. They start looking like sevens. They stop thinking as much and they start doing, uh, but recklessly. You know the bad part of seven. Um, sixes up to nine. You know stressed out to three, and then sevens of course stressed out uh, to ones. And then you know at their best they start looking like fives. Start doing less and thinking more. And then of course eights. They start using their control. For good, to help people, as opposed to uh, their normal control just for control's sake. And then when they're stressed out, they start looking like fives because they have to go into hiding and they have to research and they have to come back with more power. So I can imagine after this uh, transition in power of the presidency, we might see less of Donald Trump and then we will see more. Mm-hmm. We will see much more. That's <laughs> the story checks out. Sounds about right. Yeah. So there you go. That's the Enneagram in a nutshell, I will say. Chappelle, this was uh, fantastic. Uh, that I, I I totally feel like I have the concept down. Your internet yeah. connection was wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just I, I had no idea that you were you know sitting on this as the uh, resident <laughs> enneagram expert. I stopped calling me that. Yeah, like I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Rob. The people who subscribe. They subscribe, subscribe. And so I'm going to get like, I might not get angry emails from the listeners, but like, if someone sees the word Enneagram, they're going to come at me. Uh, Cause they're gonna, like, have you done the research? Have you done, have you certified? No, you're you know? fine. You're fine. I, I, I think so as well. But uh, you know, it was fun talking to you about it. I definitely saw a void and like, I knew you didn't understand it uh, from what you mm-hmm. called But like I said, I think so the Enneagram is supposed to be about self-exploration and interpersonal relationships, yeah. right? Like if I see you acting stressed out, like and you're troubleshooting a bunch of stuff, I know Rob's stressed out, you know, yeah. like this is not normal Rob behavior. Whereas there's somebody who's just going to be stressed all the time, like a Steven. And you're like, okay, this is Steven. This is just Steven, you know? Yeah. Um, so now I know how to interact with y'all. Can I ask you one more question about this? So sure. I also selfishly am thinking about like, boy, what is the first lady of podcasting? And I think I have some guesses here, but do you find that is it uh, like are, are certain numbers more compatible with other partners or that has nothing to do with this? I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think people like to like 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 people like to make the Enneagram like parlor talk and like not parlor that. Yeah, 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 right. It might be. 
But it's like, you know, like just like, you know, cocktail conversation or like fun game to kind of like put different uh, TV characters in, like sort them into houses. But I think it's a lot more serious than that. If you start to like look into, you know, uh, what these motivations are, it can really change the way you interact with people. But as far as compatibility goes, no, I think we're all whole people. And I, as a seven, rules are t- rules are really difficult for me. They, they just are. RSVPs are difficult for me. It takes everything in my power to RSVP. I hate it. I hate it so much. I just hate committing. Um, and I could be with a one. Uh, I think she would just have to be like used to me having that struggle, mm-hmm. right? And then I would have to be mature enough to realize that she needs these rules. And if, you know, and if that's the case, then that's what we're going with. Um, same thing with sixes. Six will look at me and say, oh my God, he is so reckless. Um, he just like, he just jumps out into in the world and does anything. He doesn't think about what if it's raining or what if he runs out of gas or what if it's this, you know, but I need something like that, right? Like, so you need somebody to say, hey, what if, you know, make sure you check all, check all the boxes, right? Before you do the thing. And so you can find compatibility in anybody. I think there, there are probably types that are more suitable, but I don't think any type is kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. like don't. It's not yeah. like a horoscope. Like, yo, no, Leo's in uh in Aquarius. Right, you know, right, uh, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I don't want to get into that. You know, so so that very different. So if you're curious as uh, the first lady of podcasting, I guess you should ask. I, her. I think I know. I think I know. What you think? I, I, think, I, I think she's an eight. You th- I don't think Nicole's an eight. You don't think so? I'd guess six. Six uh, mm-hmm. questioner. Uh, I guess six. If yeah. I had to guess, we're gonna. I don't know her as well as you do. Mm, yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited to you know uh, learn learn more about this. But you know, I feel especially when we talk about like the protector. Like I feel like uh, that Nicole does have a lot of uh, like uh, eights, but then can like uh, go is uh, for an eight is the is the two or the five the the positive. The two is the good thing. The two is because they yeah. use their they use their their control for good. You know, like I said, they like fighting for the underdog. But you know, when you can control, like, hey, like this person is not is not happy, or this mm-hmm. person is missing something in life, and I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that person is weak. Eights eights don't like I said, weakness doesn't register with them. They don't really. So th- if you're in a room and you're not you know sure of yourself, they almost won't notice you. And so if they do notice you and they feel like this is their project you know then they're gonna they're gonna make it happen they will will it into existence and those, i think it, it can manifest itself as a two yeah okay yeah all right um there is an enneagram quiz i know some people like quizzes and i know like that's like i said the fives are cross-referencing everything i'm saying anyway so i guess i can send you when we get off the air something fine like a little quick quiz but i will say this a quiz cannot tell you your motivations if you read through the numbers like rob just did then you will hear the one that speaks to you and if you have more questions about it, you can read into it. There, like I said, there are a ton of podcasts. But yeah, I definitely, I, I would always suggest doing the research on your own and kind of just thinking about your life and the, the choices you make and why you make them. I know exactly why I'm a seven, and I think a lot of the enneagram, like I said, is tied to trauma. And if you can look back and find out, like, what's making you like this? Like, what, what's making Chappelle run from everything and just live life on, you know, to the fullest to not have to sit in, you know, horrible, you know, sadness and stuff like that? Why, why are you dealing with that um, in that way? Then that's how you figure out your number. You don't just take a quiz and let somebody else tell you about you. You know you better than I do. All right. The great Chappelle is on Twitter. <laughs> he is at Chappelle's <laughs> underscore show. That's C H A P P E L L S underscore show. Show. Yep. Not like Dave. This is me. That's it's a different Chappelle. guy. Different guy. That's a different guy. Yeah. Funny guy too, but different. That's a different guy. 
Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard he's funny. He's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this was great. Uh, it's a a, a, cr- a criminal sin. Chappelle has uh, under twenty eight hundred Twitter followers at the recording time of this podcast. What's up with are people? You, they are living life like it's golden, and they don't need me to darken their doorstep <laughs> with my ridiculous tweets. So yeah. if you don't follow me, please don't. Okay. <laughs> just just like so protect your own peace. I'm a mess. Don't do it. <laughs> You're a prolific tweeter. Uh, and then what's next for you, Chappelle? What are you doing the rest of this weekend? Uh, I don't have anything planned this weekend. I'm probably just going to work. I like, mm-hmm. uh, like it's COVID. So, you know, I just like work at my leisure. Um, and then, uh, I'll be watching the walking dead, fear the walking dead mm-hmm. and walking dead world beyond where I will be podcasting with that, with Jessica Lease and, uh, Josh Wiggler, uh, every week on post show recaps. So check that out. I think this is the finale, uh, mid season finale of fear the walking dead. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be doing that. And other than that, nope, I'll just be hanging out waiting for Rob to call me. Okay. <laughs> what else do you want to talk about? Like, what, else, what else are you sitting on? And I feel like that uh, you're sort of like, like, <laughs> like, oh, I guess I could talk about like this Enneagram thing. And then it turns out you, you like do everything. Like, what, what else are you sitting on? Like, uh, how many degrees do you have? Um, that's personal three. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm supposed to be going back to school to get in my last degree, but I started. How the, many do you need? I want to be a doctor, but just because, okay, here's another thing about sevens. Sevens are so much fun that people don't think about us as smart. Mm-hmm. So that's not what you think. Like when people describe me, they always say the funny guy yeah. or the fun guy, whatever. But no one ever says like, you know how smart Chappelle is into like, like moments like this. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's so many, there's, so, you know, smart people that are like, but nobody ever says I'm funny. Right. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so sevens kind of have the opposite thing. We we're so lighthearted yeah. that people don't actually see us as deep. And yes. so for me, one of my goals in life is to get my doctorate. And um, I have not done that yet. Yes. And so I, when I do that, Dr. Then I will make, oh yeah, and I will milk that. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm going to ride well, that. Baby what to will, the you will you do? Will you teach at, at a university? Like what? What? What is your your ultimate goal? Absolutely not. I have been trying to get out of. I told you, sevens will have seven, eight careers. Yes. And I've been trying to get out of education for forever. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. I would not teach at a university. I would literally continue doing what i'm doing right now podcast and just be a doctor sure i would just yes. be a doctor think about how yep. many podcasts you could book as dr chappelle i'd have to ask uh liana yeah she doesn't go by doctor but she is very much a doctor yes you know i'd have to ask her and see what she's she, from see science sure she is from science she's the best uh, mm-hmm. and dr amanda rabinowitz you mm-hmm. know my favorite doctor yes and so yeah i could ask them but no i definitely i'm one of those people who would waste this degree i want it because i think i deserve it i think i've earned it i've, mm-hmm. I've done the research i've done the homework i got the straight a's thing and i now i want that degree and i want i want my name to say doctor i was the first person in my family to go to college and so uh i feel like i have like a weight to kind of carry you know, and lead the legacy. Like, who's going to be the first doctor if not me? So that's what I want to do. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a, a uh, really uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel that we are so blessed that we you found need to you. Cut this out. Cut no. this. Are we cutting this out? We're editing this out. Why, are you, so, no. why are you so uncomfortable with uh, if anybody gives you why a compliment? You so what part of that number? What part of that number is that? Why are you so uncomfortable with conflict, Rob? Let's get into you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what well, what's, the, what's the conflict that you're saying? I can't, I, I can't say anything nice about you. <laughs> I don't like to talk about me. I like to talk about other stuff. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. We don't, this out. I don't care. We don't have to explore that. All right, but anyway, <laughs> this was this was so great. Um, Thank you. Let, let, I mean, let's figure out what, what we're going to talk about next. 
Um, someone uh, did Josh tell you about the hospital? The hospital? No. Josh oh is in the hospital. Well, no, Josh isn't in okay. the hospital. But we, it's goofy. Just don't, just don't. The Walking it Dead thing. It's kind of, yeah, kind of. You, you should really listen to the podcast. I know. I should. I, I, I mean, I mean to, and then, uh, you know, I'm just trying to keep up. You know, I, what I need to do is not be on top of current events. I think if I, if I, if I wasn't, if if there weren't so many current events, I feel like mm-hmm. that I could be really like I feel like that. You know, when there was less current events, I used to be way on top of more podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just listen. I'm just selfishly saying that you should listen to the podcast that I'm on. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying listen to all of them. Just go listen to one episode and listen to me laugh at uh, at Josh and Jess. They are great, by the way. I feel mm-hmm. like like that's underrated how great they are. Yeah, well, that they I are. know. That that you're not yeah. telling me anything new there. All right, <laughs> so. Chappelle, this was great. I'm going to do more research. I'm going to. This is how what I'm going to do. That uh, what what part <laughs> of me is this? That I'm probably gonna, I'm going to watch a bunch of YouTube videos then about my mm-hmm. enneagram type. Yeah, so that's still nine ish because you have things that you need to be doing, uh, and you're not going to do that because you're going to go watch YouTube videos. You're yes. going to go fill your fill your time with menial tasks, and then Nicole's going to come home and she's going to hate you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> she's come on like, all right. Hey, what are you doing? Oh. You got a list of no yeah. eight, and she uh, got a list of things. <laughs> and you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I was watching. I was talking to Chappelle. What do you mean? Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> you know, but if, if if the coffee is strong enough, I can get to a three. So listen, all right. Yeah, I'm I'm a coffee enthusiast. I'm mm-hmm. an enthusiast in general. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Chappelle, yeah. uh, this was fantastic. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, if you want to be uh, posting in that uh, Facebook comment thread uh, with yes. Chappelle, you can uh, get a hold of that. Go to robisawebsite.com slash patron. Uh, Chappelle, thank you so much. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram and let him know. Uh, Chappelle, <laughs> I, I do have to say that uh, I, I follow you on Instagram. I thought you had a, you had a, a real thirst trap post on your Instagram story the other day. On Founders Day, Rob, you told me Happy Founders Day, and I was so surprised. One, yes, but I was also like, "Thank you, that's great." People don't tell me Happy Founders Day enough. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say Happy Founders Day. That I wasn't sure that it seemed like it was a happy occasion. Yeah, I text uh, uh, Asia, and I told her, "I said Rob told me Happy Founders Day," and she she thought it was very funny as well. We mm-hmm. had a good laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yes, but you're posting uh, shirtless uh, Instagram stories. Oh, yeah, that was for Founders Day, too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. But don't be sending people to my Instagram looking for thirst traps because you're not going to get them <laughs> that much. <laughs> okay. All right. Chappelle, uh, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.